0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. at McDonald's for a limited time.
1: Kevin's got his shirt on. Tell you what, the warmth already, I can feel it in the studio.
2: <laughs> We've matured from yesterday.
1: Some body parts aren't necessarily at the same cutting-of-glass level. Okay. Just to kind of paint a picture here, which, you know, that's what we're doing on the radio medium. Uh, Good Friday morning to you. Typical Friday morning commute in from a weather and dreary standpoint. It's been that way pretty much all week long here in Indianapolis. So certainly keep an eye out for that as rain and wetness continues to be par for the course and jake query last night that defines march madness um two absolute classics to start the night and end the night and then sandwiched in between I, I think you call them a mid-major right conference usa has not had a team in the elite eight since 2008 florida atlantic will be that and you've got a team in yukon right now that i would say so far there hasn't been a more dominant team in the tournament but again to start the night to end the night two absolute classics and when you have little rooting interest in the tournament which for me the state schools are gone my brackets toast that's all I ask for and we absolutely got that last night
2: yeah I mean the the last the Gonzaga UCLA game and I realized that that people probably maybe they don't want to hear like why or how the pick and rolls that that were being done the Gonzaga or the UCLA or, you know, Drew Timmy's electric start. He became the only player in NCAA history to score 20 points in 10 NCAA tournament games. That's a record, obviously, if he's the only. Um, You know, there are a million X's and O's we can break down or go, which is the way that oftentimes I simply go, which is to say that was a game of runs and it was both exhilarating and kind of exhausting to watch because you're just like oh my gosh no Kevin six different times one of those two teams had control of the game
1: yeah it was different than Michigan State Kansas State Michigan State Kansas State was more of like I'm throwing a blow at you you throw a blow at me like one 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 you know back and forth back and forth back and forth Gonzaga UCLA it was more like here comes a two round flurry from one of the teams, or a three-round flurry from one of the teams, and then the other one regroups, and they have kind of a multi-round flurry back at you. Gonzaga was down 13 at half. They come back. They have a 10-point lead with two minutes and 30 seconds to go, and I'm trying to think when CBS panned to Adam Morrison on Press Row, who is the color commentator for Gonzaga Radio. By the way, I thought Morrison looked great. You know, you look to, you know, no, no trash stash. The hair right. looked very well groomed, Adam Morrison, which, again, when you take off your shirt, I think now I become okay. a judger of those sorts of things. And well, you got
2: a lot of critique of your physique.
1: Yeah. Constructive criticism is how I've, I've tried to look at the past 24 hours. Several okay. offers from local gyms around the area. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um The Morrison camera shot was well timed because Jake, as we talked about all week long, you know, the seventeen year anniversary of Gonzaga blowing a I think it was like an eight or nine point lead with less than a minute to go to UCLA in the sweet sixteen. Morrison crying on the floor, a very iconic moment in NCAA tournament history. And last night, up ten with two minutes and thirty seconds to go, lo and behold, Gonzaga gives up that entire lead. UCLA hits a three after Drew T- Timmy. I, I think it's fair to say he bricked two free throws. Like, he looked like nerves. I mean, it was barely grazing the rim on the first one, almost banked in the second one. He missed two. UCLA comes down, hits a three after a timeout. Then Gonzaga goes down with 12 seconds to go. They don't throw it into Timmy. Nope. <clears> nope. Instead, Drew Julian Strother, the Las Vegas native – shoots one from the logo good
2: on the run basically
1: yeah it was one of those things where it's like did they think they had four seconds left
2: i know i think it was this is going to be our best look let's get let's let's run down and you
1: imagine he misses that and timmy who had 36 and 13 doesn't touch the ball with 12 seconds to go in the game
2: they at that point he was strother was five for 14 i believe from the floor three from seven from three point range one of those shots that if it goes in, it was brilliant. If it doesn't, exactly. you're left questioning. But here is what I thought in watching it. And I know that Purdue at the beginning of the year absolutely wiped the floor with Gonzaga. So right there, what I'm about to say sounds ridiculous. But with Florida Atlantic making last night's Elite Eight, That is the 58th program, 58th different program to make the Elite Eight since Indiana last went. Purdue's one of them, obviously. Creighton or Princeton will make the 59th. San Diego State has a chance to be the 60th. 60 different programs that have been to an Elite Eight since Indiana. And I know that Indiana had a good year, and I know that Purdue had a very good year. What I watched last night, Kansas State, late. Gonzaga and UCLA. And I do this. This isn't necessarily fact. It's just optical perception. I do the same thing in college football. When I watch the college football semifinals, I watch those teams and think, that is a whole different level than what I'm used to seeing. And I have to admit, the, I'll say the Big Ten in general, even though Michigan State was one of the teams I was watching. It just felt like, whoa, this is a whole different level. Multiple guys can shoot from anywhere. There, there's not one or two designated. Gonzaga, sure, Drew Timmy had 36, right? UCLA, I, I get it. I mean, you know, was, or was unbelievable in the first half in particular. But you feel like, Kevin, those teams just have scores or shooters all over the place and they can do it in rhythm and tempo and everything else and it just feels like a different level of basketball
1: you know i'm watching kansas state michigan state jake and i'm saying thinking myself wait a minute notre dame and butler beat each of these teams by double digits butler beat kansas state by 12 this year yeah i mean notre dame beat michigan state by like 20 I'm like, long what? year, right? I'm like, what in the world? Yes, I mean, both those games, I think, late November, early December. Uh, but absolute classics. And, and, again, Kansas State, Michigan State, got things started. And Marquise Noel. You know, w- when you think about, and I thought the broadcast crew did a great job of describing, you know, the Harlem kid and went to St. Patrick's High School and, and you know, his Twitter handles, Mr. New York City. Too wise on the end of that. You're watching that game. You're watching his style. You're watching the flair he plays with. And I couldn't help but think of the Big East tournament, I guess, over a decade ago now, and what Kemba Walker did in that building. And that start of the run for UConn that year. And you know what? Noel, he's got some Kemba aspect to it, but his ability to pass and the types of passes that he is willing and confident to throw. He had one in the first half that was, you know, a bounce pass like between his legs in the middle of the lane. Uh, And then the one that deservedly so is getting, I think, a lot of playback is, you know, him looking over at Jerome Tang late. Those two, you know, trying to act like they're not on the same page with a certain play call. And then, boom, backdoor, the Keontae Johnson for the uh, alley-oop. There is just a a swagger to Marquise Noel's game. And, again, I'm watching Kansas State last night, Jake, and I'm thinking, man, him and Nigel Pack were in the backcourt together last year?
2: Yeah, that's – Nigel Pack, I mean, you know, you got to think to yourself. I hate to say why transfer. He made a lot of money out of it. Maybe that's – you know, NIL was—there's there's NIL perfectly exemplified, right? Because here's—although, did anybody think a year ago Kansas State would be this good?
1: Well, they were picked to finish last in— the, You know what I mean? In the Big 12. Yeah. Um, the first overtime game of the tournament, uh, and obviously with Michigan State bowing out the Big 10 uh, over the last two years in Elite 8s. 17 Big Ten teams have made the tournament in the last two years, just three in the Sweet 16. And I did see a few people mention last night uh, USC and UCLA also, future Big Ten teams bowing out before the Elite Eight. Sam, you mind queuing up those clips from Gonzaga-UCLA? Jake, this one obviously ended late. I-, I was fighting it a bit, but thankfully uh, the entertainment of the game kind of helped get me to the finish line there. Again, Gonzaga down 13 at half. They take a ten they come back, they take a ten point lead with two minutes and thirty seconds to go, and then just slowly trickled down their leg. Um
2: trickled down their leg.
1: Okay. And the first highlight you will hear is Amari Bailey for UCLA taking the lead, completing that ten point comeback, and then Julian Strother for Gonzaga hitting the eventual game winner. I, I still can't believe that he shot it
2: here's the thing and maybe they answered to this I don't know because like you I mean at that point you know you're like okay I got to get up in five hours here but did he was that a designed play or was it hey if you're open you gotta pull no matter when it comes in the set
1: Mark Few you know acted like after the game that Strawther was the guy they wanted the ball in his hands I did think he initially said we were trying to kind of get him downhill trying to get him you know, to the rim. It was, a, it was a handoff, you know, kind of a little handoff out there. And so he had a lot of momentum. He was the inbounder. Um, I know a lot of people reference the Villanova game winner with Chris Jenkins or the, yeah, the overtime, I guess, shot um, a couple of years ago in the national title game. And he just decided to pull. And, and again, it's not like they were in great offensive rebounding sort of position. Um, Drew Timmy definitely would not have gotten a touch on that possession. It was wild that he took that shot. And they were only down one. You know, it's not like they needed – it's not like they were even down two. And there's some, you know, plucky underdog that, you know, hey, we're down two. We're going to go for the win. Uh, They were down one at that point. Uh, Just an incredible shot. And obviously what those two teams did in the Final Four here a couple years ago, the Adam Morrison game, uh, Gonzaga and UCLA continue to just have some unbelievable tournament highlights. And then, Jake, on the final play of the game, Tiger Campbell for UCLA, he almost hits – like, what? what is very reminiscent, I thought, of the Valpo play. I thought of the Bryce Drew play. Um, they threw it into their big guy. He made a nice touch pass to Tiger Campbell, who, ironically enough, went to college or went to high school uh, pretty close to Valpo. And he almost hit what would have sent the game into overtime, which at that point I, just, I think I would have thrown in the towel and just gone to bed.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, did your wife say anything to you yesterday about having your shirt off all day?
1: Uh, she really did not mention. That she, she um, thankfully, I don't think paid a lot of attention to the show.
2: Really? Yeah. Does she not listen to the program? Does she know you do, what you do?
1: Um, yes, she does know what, trust me, financially, she definitely knows what I do for a living. Um, yeah, she drove the kids to daycare, and I think Rosie was, like, just losing it and didn't want to listen to her father on the radio. So, um, yeah, finally, at, like, 7 p.m., she was like, wait, you had your shirt off yesterday on the show? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She's like, gosh, she just kind of shrugged her head. She's like, I hope people enjoyed it. What What, what did you think of – did it feel liberating to you? Did you enjoy it? Did you look back and – Yeah, I, again, you know, the airflow to, to the chest from 7 to 10 a.m. was not something I've experienced a whole lot here, certainly in public settings. Um, Yeah, I, I appreciated that – Um. Actions followed through on words. I don't think it will become a common occurrence, though. There was some very constructive criticism from some people out there. Um, I did see a side-by-side with E.T. That was pretty strong. I thought it was very well done. It was. Um, I forget the name of the person that created that, but um, yeah, nice little pick stitch there. So, uh, As you said very accurately, Jake, yesterday, the old friend that was Metabolism, is clearly not as effective as it once was for me. <laughs>
2: Just wait. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I've seen that a lot here.
2: It's amazing. When I as think I've back, reached my 30s. You know, I think I told you, Kevin, I, I was at North Central on uh, I don't know, Wednesday, maybe, and I went back to speak to a few of the classes, and now at North Central, the lunch periods, when I was in high school, you had split periods, periods four, five, six, seven, and 8, because one of those would be when you'd take lunch. So you'd either have lunch period five, and then you had to go to an academic class, the same class, four, six. So you split halfway through the day or that period and went to lunch. Or you had lunch six, and you had a four, five class, then lunch six, then a seven, eight class, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the classes I was speaking to, I'm like, so did you guys just come from lunch? And they're like, yeah. And I said, well, I realize you're probably going to get drowsy here in about 15 minutes because if you're like me, lunch was a honey bun french fries and orange drink and maybe a plate of cookies if there was room at the end right
1: i know it's kind of funny to think like oh yeah getting ready to play a big football game tonight and you know here's johnny just down in 17 cookies before uh, yeah. the game
2: and i mean you but your body at that age
1: just just stuff just melts off of you it does and boy no there's zero melting whatsoever on the body of kevin bowen at this point here at the age of 33 so yeah i'm gonna i'll, I'll keep down the, for sure I'll, I'll i'll keep the clothing on today
2: Okay, that's, uh, believe me, I speak for a lot of people in saying, good plan.
1: Sam actually texted me, it was like, are you going shirt off again? He, he seemed like he preferred that. Lose my number. <laughs> that was a nice Adam Schefter reference. right uh, there.
2: By the way, speaking of numbers, those still alive in our numbers game. And again, the way this works, $100, you're going to get dinner at Jay's Lobster over at the garage and Bottle Works. The best lobster rolls, lobster bisque, shrimp that you're going to get in Indianapolis, East Coast Sea Shack right here in the Circle City. Uh, Dave is still alive with Miami; they're in action tonight, obviously. Uh, Raphael still in the running. Oh, he has Princeton. He is Raphael is our first winner. He's a guaranteed winner because no double digit seed is going to get any further than Princeton already did. Uh, Doug alive with Creighton. Eric alive with Kansas State. Matt is still going with Alabama. Who's Graham, got Asheville? Graham with Xavier. That's the big one. Daryl with Florida Atlantic. Still going. And Scotty, who had UNC Asheville, is still alive for largest blowout. 33 point blowout for UNC Asheville. That is still the largest in the tournament. UConn with Paul. Still alive as well.
1: Uh, Jake, the game that we probably haven't taught. Well, I guess the other two games. Um, how about UConn's run so far? They have beaten Boy. their three opponents by 23, 15, and 24. They abso- It was great that the first game went into overtime because UConn-Arkansas, no one wanted to watch that in the second half. Uh, UConn has just got a bunch of skilled guards and wings around. Their big man, Mister Snoga, he looks like he'd start at left tackle for the Colts. Uh, and then the other game, Florida Atlantic, sixty-two fifty-five over Tennessee. They were down five at half. Can you imagine what the villages are probably doing down in Florida celebrating the Florida Atlantic win?
2: My sister just went to the villages. Really? Yeah. Enjoyed uh, it.
1: Not to get too per- permanent,ly or
2: no, no, no. Okay. She, well. <laughs> Uh, the villagers must be pretty cool because she went, and now she's like, I'm going permanently. All in. <laughs> she's, she's all in. Well, happy
1: hour in Boca is going to be nuts today for the retirees yeah, yeah. down there. What time's
2: happy hour in Boca? Uh, on a Three.
1: Friday, Jake, it's, th- <laughs> it's 3.07. 3.07 uh, fast. John L. Davis from Gary, their leading scorer last night, he had 15. So, Dusty May, the Green County Native, the manager to Bob Knight, he had some great words about Mike Davis this week. You could tell he's very close still with Mike Davis, uh, and Todd Abernathy, Clay Junior High legend, is also on their staff. Um, so a lot of Indiana connections with Florida Atlantic. They just kind of grinded it out. Like they, it almost seemed like that. That's the style Tennessee would like. The Tennessee is Dusty May made the joke earlier in the week of, "Hey, we got to watch Australian rules rugby and all this," and it just seemed like Florida Atlantic kind of out, out, out toughed
2: them really. Didn't it kind of feel like? Especially at half. Tennessee's up at the half. And they even talked about it on the television broadcast. At halftime of one of the other games, I I can't remember what the other game would have been. That would have been at half while they were playing. I guess game one. Yeah, it was Michigan, um, Michigan State Xavier.
1: Well, yeah. Fort Atlantic was the second game.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. So, at half of the Michigan State Xavier game, they did like the look in. And at that point, Tennessee was up five or something early. And you could tell that everybody was kind of anticipating, like, yeah, midnight's probably coming for Cinderella here. And then there they go.
1: I don't know if I can name four teams in Conference USA.
2: Ooh, it's good. Okay, pull it up. I'm going to try. You ready? See, this is interesting because, I mean, I absolutely could have five years ago, but now they're all, like, in most of the... Schools that I think of as Conference USA are the American Athletic Conference. But do you have it up in front Again, of you? Again, the
1: first Conference USA team to make the Elite Eight since Memphis, who made the national title, right? Two thousand eight. Yeah, That's when the, they lost M- to Kansas. Memphis
2: is now in the American Athletic. Correct. correct? So yeah, okay. yeah, I've got it. I'm gonna go with uh, Southern Miss. No. Okay. Uh Tulsa? No. Oh boy. Um we'll go like two more guesses here before we fold the towel. Murray State. They might be Ohio Valley.
1: Murray State, I think, is in the MoVal now. By the way, you see Valpo fired their coach, speaking of MoVal? Did they? Yeah. Um, Stanford dude. Lodich, Lodich, Matt Lodich. Um, you think Bryce Drew would come back was to that? I say,
2: back to Bryce Drew again. Right?
1: Or does he look at Grand Canyon and say, nope, I'm good here? North Texas, Jake. UAB. Middle Tennessee State. Oh, Charlotte. Rice. Western Kentucky. Louisiana Tech, Western Kentucky. I should know. They were the Sun Belt originally. UTEP, Texas San Antonio. Yeah, it, it's that's, a. That's. A- I think Dusty was talking about it with J and V of like our road trips are like
2: long. Well, you know that. It, that sounds kind of like what the Summit League was, which I've always said, is the. Like screw it, drawer. You know when you when you're moving. Oh,
3: boy, that was
1: well, screw it, drawer. Geez, boy.
2: Okay, when
1: you're. I think I'm keeping I'd my shirt that, on today. I'd say that
2: for lack of a better phrase, when you're moving and you're boxing things up and you've got the box and it's like you know. did know if kitchen, that was a
1: villages reference you were making there.
2: Kitchen dishes in this box and you know, bedroom bedding in this box and whatever else. And then you you get all the way down after you're moving, you're boxing everything up and you have that hodgepodge. That's like there's a tape measure, uh, like a an old whatever, like portable speaker. Just like seven random things. And you're like, you know what? Just screw it. Just throw all that stuff in that last box. Let's just get out of here. That's kind of what those leagues feel like. When conference realignment took place, then there were like 20 schools that was like, what what do we do with these? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Screw it. Just throw them all together in this and call it some pre-existing league and let's go. My buddy Greg Simmons has the most unbelievable ability. He's like a savant with that. You can name any division one school in the country and he'll tell you not only what league they're in, what league they used to Gosh. be It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I am used to, maybe for me, but certainly not present day. Um so looking ahead to Saturday night. It'll be Florida Atlantic and Kansas State. That is the first game. So one of those teams, of course, will go to the final four. Six oh nine tip from Madison Square Garden. Uh early line is Kansas State minus two and a half, favored by two and a half. Then the final game on Saturday, approximately 8.50. It will be UConn and Gonzaga from Las Vegas. UConn, a slight favorite in that one. I kind of forgot this until they mentioned it last night. Jake, this is Kansas State's third Elite Eight since 2010. The last two times they've been in the Elite Eight, though, a team that you would classify as a mid-major beat them to go to the final four. Butler, of course, in 2010. Yep. And in 2018, it was Sister Jean and Loyola. And you said this the third time? Third time they've been in the Elite Eight. and Now, you want to know who beat them in the other time? I, I guess you'd classify Florida Atlantic as a
2: mid-major. I would agree with that. So third time in school history and in an Elite Eight. No, I, I,
1: I don't know about that. It's just third time since 2010.
2: Oh, since 2010, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah. Because I was getting... So fourth time then of the last... Because the other time, I can recall where Kansas State went. Um and Greg Gumbel would have been confused by this because last night when Kansas State won, did you see Greg Gumbel's snafu? I don't recall it. As Kansas State was celebrating, Greg Gumbel said, I actually have it in my phone. I tweeted it out, but I won't play it over my phone, my phone over the air. That sounds terrible. Uh, he said, and the celebration is on in the locker room of the Kansas Jayhawks. Moving mm, on. Boy, that's a bit awkward. <laughs> For Kansas State fans, have got to be like, are you Kidding
1: me. Yeah. And Kansas is busy watching Arkansas, who beat them, lose by 50.
4: Kansas State in
2: 88, night. defeated and upset by eight seeded Kansas in route to Danny and the Miracles winning the national title.
1: Yeah. Kirk goes, yeah, I think Gonzaga took the three, thinking open shot. If he misses, still plenty of time to get an offensive rebound. long re-. it, To me, Jake, it was more just Drew Timmy didn't touch the ball. He you, was
2: electric, though, He man. hit
1: 36 and 14, yeah. and, and you know, UCLA had no answer for he him. He hit three. And, Drew yeah. Timmy
2: early hit a three. It was only his fourth three of the year, his second one of 2023 uh, look, after New Year.
1: Looking ahead to tonight, I think you got – I I know the spreads are a little bit bigger tonight, but I think you've got some really good matchups. San Diego State, Alabama will get things underway at 6.30. The other one-versus-five matchup will follow at 7.15. That is Houston and Miami 9 o'clock, you've got Alec Pierce's brother, Caden Pierce, for Princeton. He takes on Creighton. That is approximately at 9. And then as far as the lines are concerned, and and I think it's a great matchup, Xavier and Texas to close out the night. In those games from Kansas City. The other region um, will be the Yum Center in Louisville, San Diego State, Alabama, Princeton, and Creighton.
2: Have you been to the Yum Center?
1: Uh, I have, yes. Uh huh. Beautiful. It is a nice arena. Yep. State of the art. I worry about the pacer
2: sometimes in the Yum Center.
1: Yeah, you you've mentioned that before. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that really?
2: Mm-hmm. It's been a concern of mine for a while. That or Seattle, Seattle, Nashville, Louisville. Let's get them all an NBA team soon, please.
1: Gosh, I don't know. I I, I mean, you're certainly pl- very plugged into that, but I I don't. I, I hope you're wrong. Oh, I don't. I mean, I hope you're really wrong. Sorry,
2: that's the earliest, 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 most preliminary gut feeling ever. Yeah, there's not like some, not not anything substantial on that. I did see yesterday, um, Al Lang Stadium in Tampa. There was a, a tweet sent out of a picture of Babe or of uh, Hank Aaron playing at Al Lang Stadium in Tampa, and uh, back when they, they used to play spring training games there. So I looked up the history of Allang Stadium in Tampa, which was built in 1947. It seats 7,000 people. Um, it is 76 years old now. And it is home in the 18th largest metropolitan area of the United States. It is home to a soccer team that plays in the same league as the Indy 11 who wants a billion-dollar stadium. Seems like that might be a bit of an... Overshoot.
1: Notice you've made more eye contact with me in the first segment today than you made all <laughs> yesterday. Any reason? Trying to recapture that chemistry, Kevin. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> thank you, Shannon. Trying to wake up, too. I now feel a little bit of, I guess, what Shannon has felt, maybe, uh, <laughs> prior. Uh, the Pacers tonight, they got a back-to-back coming up this weekend in Boston, in Atlanta. We'll see if Tyrese Halliburton returns to the lineup. He is questionable. Nine to go. The Pacers are lurking. We'll see if they can make a push here for the play-in, and we do have our first Indiana player into the transfer portal. We'll touch on that as well. Greg Rakestar going to join us at 8 o'clock, the state finals, tomorrow over at gamebridge Fieldhouse. I do want to ask, Rake, about Micah Shrewsbury. You would think if anyone has had some crossover with Micah Shrewsbury here in the state, Rake would be that. I didn't realize that Micah's father, Jake Bill Shrewsbury, was uh, Bart Peterson's deputy mayor. Really? And I bring that up because Jack Swarbrick, of course, the athletic director at Notre Dame, uh, tons of ties from an Indianapolis standpoint, not necessarily like all political, um, but has been heavily involved in, um, you know, bringing the Super Bowl and Indiana Sports Corp and, and, and all of that. So um, curious, just kind of what that relationship is like and if that played a role in, you know, Notre Dame having a nice first impression with the Shrewsbury family. A uh, whole lot to get to here on this Friday morning. Again, it is dreary, it is ugly, it is wet, it is rainy. That is par for the course for this week. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Sam Fritz, one more time here this week.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
1: Jake, Absolute Classics last night to begin and end the night. And that means the early, or I should say the first four tickets have been punched to the Elite Eight. And they are as followed. It will be Kansas State in the East region taking on Florida Atlantic just after 6 o'clock tomorrow night from Madison Square Garden. And out west in Vegas, it will be Gonzaga, their fifth Elite Eight in the last seven years. They are taking on... UConn, who's absolutely been dominant through the first three games. Let's start with the heroics from the first game, and that was Michigan State falling in overtime. Jake Marquis Noel, that is a hell of a story for the New York City kid in Madison Square Garden.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, the the garden itself, Kevin, you've been to the garden or not been to the garden? No,
1: I've not. Mm-mm.
2: There's something about the garden that, first off, just has like a magic about it, because I think What do they say? If you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. And I think some players just – they want to elevate because of the fact it's in the garden. Does that make sense? You know, you just – you look at it and you go, here we are on the biggest stage and you're in the garden and, you know, you're in a tight game and then next thing you know – Kevin, one of the more incredible plays you've ever seen. You're acting like you're arguing with your coach and you're throwing an alley-oop behind the back, right?
1: Yeah, his playmaking, Noel, was incredible. Uh, comes back from an ankle injury in the second half. He had 20 points, an NCAA 19 record. Assists. Correct, an NCAA record, 19 assists. He had five steals, including one on the final play of the game. So Michigan State does not get a shot off. So Kansas State will take on Florida Atlantic. Obviously, Florida Atlantic coached by... Dusty May, they grinded one out, came back to beat Tennessee in the nightcap. Here was Dusty May afterwards.
0: represent them. Uh, our guys have done
1: it with professionalism all, all year and uh, so it, it's awesome for everyone, especially as as we've we've put a lot of time. These guys have put a lot of work elbow grease into building a program. And so for it to be to this point, uh, it's very rewarding, but we'll focus
0: on all that later after the season.
2: Kevin, can you imagine if I would have told you at the beginning of the year? If I would have told you at the beginning of the year there was going to be a coach that is from the state of Indiana... In the Elite Eight, how far down would you have had to go before you got to Dusky Bay? (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's a a great point. Um, Pretty far down the list, but uh, just a great season. 34 wins for the Owls. Um, The other game again on Saturday night will be UConn and Gonzaga. The Gonzaga won last night, an absolute thriller. They were down 13 at halftime. They came back just an unbelievable second half. They were actually up 10 with 2.30 to go. That entire 10-point lead evaporated. UCLA took the lead by one with about 12 seconds to go. And then Julian Strother, the Gonzaga young guard, hits a three literally from the logo. You had Noel, the New York native, in the first one being the hero. Strother, the Las Vegas native in Las Vegas, the hero in the nightcap. Here was Julian Strother afterwards.
2: Uh, I mean, it's moments like that that you can't make up. I mean, those, those are literally the moments you dream of, you know, just to even make a shot like that in March Madness. And then I mean, just to uh, be back home in Vegas is like the cherry on top. Um, But words can't describe how proud I am of just our team and our resilience. I mean, nothing was going our way. I mean, we weren't playing our our brand of basketball at all through that whole first half. And I mean, we flipped that switch. And you know, there's not there's not a lot of teams in the country who could who could you know bind together and make a run like that. He sounds thrilled.
1: Yeah, he was very subdued even afterwards. I'm thinking that you just and. So it was the Noel kid. You know, when you watch the Noel kid play with a style that he plays with, um, you're obviously expecting him to be uh, pretty outspoken, but Jerome Tang did that for Kansas State. So looking ahead to tonight, again, Alabama, San Diego State will lead us off at 6.30. That is from the Yum Center. The 9 o'clock game in that region, Princeton and Creighton, that is the biggest spread of any of these Sweet 16 games. Creighton favored by 9.5. The other region tonight, it will be Houston and Miami. Houston favored by seven and a half. That is from Kansas City. Take drama, mean before watching that game, right? And then uh, oh, Texas, Texas and Xavier. That is just one of two Sweet 16 matchups where the seeds have held. And last night, ucla Gonzaga was the other one. We got a great one. Hopefully, Xavier, Texas falls suit.
2: Uh, NBA last night, it was Orlando, 111-105. 106, actually, over the New York Knicks. Cleveland over the Brooklyn Nets, 116-114. The Pelicans got a win, so too did the Clippers. The leading scorer last night in the association was, Kevin, your guess?
1: It was Jay Gilders Alexander.
2: It is a guy that was drafted by the Indiana Pacers select from San Diego State University, Kawhi Leonard. 32 points last night for Kawhi. And the Clippers win over the Thunder. Pacers in action, of course, tonight as we talked about in Boston, taking on the Celtics at 7 o'clock. You can begin listening to that broadcast at 6.30 on this fine radio
1: station. 12-point underdog. I guess they're thinking Halliburton is not going to play.
2: I would think that Halliburton, if it's a 12-point. What is it if he does play? Four? Five?
1: Yeah. I'd Certainly not 12. Uh, and again, a quick turnaround for the Pacers. They are in Atlanta tomorrow night. That is a 5 o'clock tip. So kind of an odd back-to-back in terms of tip times here. In Boston, then in Atlanta. When we come back, we'll get into, again, Indiana's got a player in the transfer portal. Potentially some good news on the Purdue front on a separate matter. We'll chat about that. And Greg Rakestraw joins us at 8. We'll talk a little high school basketball with him with the state finals coming up tomorrow night at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Kevin Acquire right here on 93.5, 5, The Fan.
4: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5 The FAN.
2: 13 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock on, it is a Friday, that's the good news. A little bit gloomy, admittedly. A couple of house cleaning items, by the way. 6 until 8 o'clock tonight. Perfect time with the NCAA tournament and the games getting underway. If you're going to be out and about at Broderpool Tavern, we'll be doing a little, I'll be there doing some Papa Shot, your chance to win uh, Kevin, you did this last night, so yeah. the pop-a-shot from Jack
1: Daniels. What's the prize? Uh, well, uh, first off, pop-a-shot, just playing Papa a shot should be worth coming out. I mean, Correct. just the competitive spirit that comes with that game. Uh, but yeah, last night I was over at uh, All-Star Sports Lounge, a new spot at 56 in Georgetown. Really cool spot um, over there. And the prize was a speaker from courtesy of Jack Daniels and a chance to win a little cash with the finals, which will come a week from Saturday. Um, that is at District Tap, right, the finals? Correct. Um, so, yeah, tonight Jake will be over at Broad Ripple Tavern. Uh, but, yeah, re- I mean, again, Papa Shot, say no more. You had some people chirping back and forth at the old Papa Shot game. 109, the high score last night at my location.
2: So, again, uh, 6 to 8 o'clock tonight. Also at noon today, for those of you, this would be a fairly esoteric audience, I realize, but um, at noon today on my old high school radio station, that's WJEL. Your Panther Sports Connection. Noon today, I will be interviewing Dr. White uh, about his return to North Central High School at 89.3 FM is where you can hear that. Um, you had mentioned earlier, Kevin, the transfer portal and Indiana's.
1: Well, I did want to ask, how uh, how was the Boo? Was it Boo oh. Quarry's first night? It was, thank you.
2: So yesterday, for how those who don't do? know, I can't remember at what time we talked about this yesterday, so just to, to rehash... Uh, Due to an unfortunate incident, not going too much further into that, um, that I felt just terrible about, I have never been, we had a family cat growing up, I've never been like a cat guy, but we always had a, a cat when I was a kid, as a family. I've never had a pet, and so, I mean, as an adult on my own, I've never had a pet, other than Shannon's dogs, and... So I went to the Humane Society earlier this week and basically said, I would like to adopt whatever cat you have that is a good cat, but has had very few inquiries. And they said, we have a cat. People are afraid, Kevin, of black cats. They think they're bad luck. So they had a a little black cat named Boo. He's already named. He's nine years old. I, I think they said between eight and nine. And... Apparently, his owner passed away. He was taken to Indianapolis Animal Care. Uh, They obviously were overcrowded there, so they transported him to the Humane Society. He had been in the Humane Society, uh, I think, probably coincidentally since around Halloween. So he'd been there for like five months. So I went and picked him up yesterday in the crate. He did not make a sound the entire drive home. When I let him loose at my place, I opened the crate up kind of slowly and... You know, he slowly kind of sulked out, and then he, not in a sprint by any stretch, kind of in an exploratory sniffing mission, ended up finding a spot underneath my dresser where he just kind of sat, but I went under there, and he he licked my finger, was good, and then shortly thereafter, um, he went and found a spot in my closet and hid in there for like four or five hours. We went out last night. When I came home, he had he was out of the closet and was just kind of hanging out saw me and then just kind of made his way into the guest bedroom and hung out in there
1: so. and that's his room
2: that would ideally be his room but we'll see
1: that's where the litter box play area Remember that is describing that it is correct
2: yeah so we'll see um, today when I left you know he he was I mean he was still hiding he's still skittish for sure he's still getting used to it and we'll see how long it takes
1: well, 2 o'clock nap. Post-Dr. White interview, you and Boo curled up <laughs> on the right. recliner for a little exactly Friday right. afternoon nap. Uh, no napping in Bloomington right now for Mike Woodson and his bunch. They are busy assessing the transfer portal. Um, I don't think too much of a shock, and you could argue too much of a loss, in yesterday's news of Logan Duncombe, the Moeller High School product from Cincinnati. Just 18 games played at IU in his two seasons. He is entering the transfer portal, Jake, kind of a weird two years for him in Bloomington. Um, that we missed time due to like COVID and had you know, some, it sounded like a pretty serious sinus issue this season. It's not like when he was healthy, he was getting consistent playing time, but just from a sheer body standpoint, again, Trace Jackson Davis, race Thompson gone now, dunk him. I mean, you're losing a lot of your guys that are six eight, six nine, six ten, etc. et cetera. Yeah. Uh, You would think on paper, you know, plenty of playing time available. um, Because, again, they're not bringing in freshman bigs. The two freshmen, they're, you know, point guard and and kind of a wing. Uh, Malik Renew, Kayla Banks, Jordan Geronimo. Those three should have on paper. We'll see if they all stay. Those three should have ample opportunity to earn playing time. But I fully expect IU will be trying to find another big, if not more than one, in the transfer portal.
2: Now, the... Ah uh, Graham, Ike from Wyoming, who's a big man, six nine. He was a really good player for Wyoming. Yeah, we can get Reese Monaco back on the show. Sure. Uh, he spent this year hurt, but he is in the portal, and apparently Indiana is one of the
1: lefty, he's if I remember correctly, yeah. for um, Ike. Yeah, he uh, he had some moments against IU. He also had some other moments that weren't too great. Um, so yeah, from a scholarship standpoint, those are the two open scholarships. I know IU, I think, had a walk on that also entered the transfer portal yesterday, but you know fully expect more names from indiana to be in the portal and of course they're going to try and make some additions as well um, did you mention there's apparently a kid from towson state that's looking at indiana and did i see a harvard kid as well um so yeah again they're gonna have you know i would fully expect when it's all said and done probably two or three subtractions portal wise and probably two or three additions and i don't know maybe it'll be more than that uh, but that seems to be the the case. I did want to mention yesterday, I saw from a... Um, there are some senators out there that are trying to... You know, obviously, NIL and Congress is a very... You know, it can be a heavily debated topic. Jake, we had Tom Deanhart on, I guess it would have been maybe last week, or maybe it was Rob Blackman. But I you know, asked Rob about Zach Eady and the potential to go to the NBA. And part of the reason why... I asked that question was, and I apologize for not knowing the all the details, but there are some issues with international students and, and, it, and NIL. Um, from a visa standpoint, if you're here on a college or an education-based uh, visa, you are not allowed to, I think, tap into as many NIL opportunities as Americans are. Um, Jake, I would think Zach Eadie would be absolute gold mine for NIL when you think about you know Canada and the hockey background and Well and look at what just like the sheer figure that he is the fear presence that he is I mean that is just who is
2: the I always forget his name who is the big NBA player that's like Romanian that, that has all the ads he's like 7 foot 4 somebody help me Bobon. Boban he's become like a personality because he's just so big. Right, right, right exactly. I mean, not and to like, get the like same thing. too stereotypical, right. but, yeah, you know, people like just Zach know Edie who he is. is the fact that he's such a tall athlete, I mean, and he's a great player. Yes. Yes, I could see
1: how because he stands out. So right? that will be interesting to see if that gets passed, if that gets cleared somewhat soon. If I'm holding my breath, I would guess no, but obviously that could have some implications on Edie. If you look at the UConn big guy, Sonoga, he's from Mali. I mean, there are other you know, players that obviously this applies to. It seems rather no-brainer to me, common sense to me, that if you're going to have the NIL allowances for Americans, why not have those for international players as well? Uh, but that could be something that obviously aids Purdue in the hope of retaining Zach Eady. Did see that the Butler big dude, Manny Bates, Butler, probably their best player this season. Um, he was one of, along with Eric Hunter, the two that – they're not playing the Big East Tournament due to academic requirements with their graduate programs. He is entering the draft but maintaining eligibility. You know,
2: when you talk about that issue for international players in NIL, I, you know, we're getting ready to talk to Greg Gregstraw, if I'm not mistaken. One of the guys that we're going to see this weekend in the high school state finals, uh, Flory Benunga from Kokomo would probably fall underneath once he gets to the college level into that area, right? Yeah, that is a good point. Um, I mean, he's, you know, came from the the Democratic Republic of the Congo two years ago, and uh, by all account, just a wonderful kid and obviously
1: a great player. How does that impact him? Yeah, it was funny. I was talking to um, to our boss, Dion, last night at the event, and he said he's going Saturday just to watch Flory. Like, there seems to be some of that building, Jake, of yeah. You know, an hour away from Indianapolis, the late bloomer, you know, he's not always, you know, played basketball, always not obviously not always been here in the state of Indiana. You know, Greg Oden was talked about as what, a sixth grader in Terre Haute, you know, it no was question. there was there was a no build to it. Um, I think Flory is starting to get there. There'll be a lot of people I think in the building tomorrow night over at Gambridge Fieldhouse. Not only to watch Ben Davis try and achieve one of the best seasons the state has seen in years, but obviously get a glimpse of a pretty unique player in Flory Badunga. So we'll talk with Greg Straw more about that coming up next. Kevin and Quary on a ugly looking Friday in Indy.
0: Raise a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. And participating in McDonald's for a limited time.
4: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love.
3: An inquiry on 935 at 1075
1: The FAN. Craig Ragstar here in just a second. We were talking before the break about you know international students and you know being here on an educational visa and the NIL impact and, and the restrictions on that. From someone that would be in the know on this, said so that it's just not specific to an NIL thing. It's more of a larger visa issue of just the inability to earn income, period while in the States on an educational visa of, you know, if you just want to go get a job at some local fast food joint or something, uh, you can if you're here on a work visa, but not on an education visa. So, again, we'll see if that gets cleared up at all, um, obviously from a general standpoint, but specifically to Zach Eadie's case, if that impacts him returning at all to Purdue. All right, let's head to the Payless Stickers Hotline. Greg Gregstraw, ISC Sports Network, obviously, a busy, busy man, and one of his many Christmas days will be tomorrow over at Gainbridge Fieldhouse for the boys' basketball state finals. Rake, I actually wanted to begin here. Um, Mike Shrewsbury had a really cool story in explaining part of the reason why he took the Notre Dame job. He did an interview with like the Penn State local beat writer last night and showed him a video of the scene of Kokomo and Penn semi-state game from Saturday night. And it was, I think, Micah Shrewsbury kind of saying to this guy, like, it's just different here in Indiana. And if I can ever, if I ever had the opportunity to get back there at a major program, I was going to do it. Um, And I thought that was pretty cool. Obviously, there's a lot of semi-state scenes that he could show. Penn having a Notre Dame commit, probably why he wanted to show the guy that. um, But just kind of a pretty cool angle to Micah Shrewsbury wanted to come home.
5: Yeah, and and, and again, uh, you've heard me say that I thought he was a candidate for that job, you know, from from the jump. Uh, I thought he was a great hire for Notre Dame, and to me, part of the reason why I left Penn State was not what they could do financially, uh, was not the resources they could put together. It's just historically, I mean, that was their first last week, their first NCAA tournament win in 22 years, but they have this great facility in the Bryce Jordan Center. And no one is ever there. And, and I realize that, that with winning comes more fans. But historically, you know, the Big Ten normally plays to full houses or close to full houses. That thing is never close to full. You also have to recruit to State College Pennsylvania. It's beautiful, but it's not close to, it's not close to Philly. It's not close to Pittsburgh. It is the middle of nowhere. And so there are challenges in Notre Dame. Absolutely. But I think he's got a much better chance of being successful on a regular basis, which Mike Bray has proven you can do in South Bend, Indiana. So I thought he was a natural fit for it. And I'm very happy for Mike.
2: It's funny to me, Greg, because and maybe it's just this actually might be the era in which I grew up. But I still think of, even with, I mean, Mike Bray had success, as you mentioned. I mean, there were some really good, you know, hell, Notre Dame was the closest team to beating Kentucky when they – Got to the Final Four undefeated. But I still think of Notre Dame as like a top probably 20 college basketball program historically. I'm not saying right now, but just historically. They've had great teams, great moments, great players, you know, legendary players in the game of basketball. It's just been a while, and it's not been consistent, and it's probably been in the shadows, even in their dominant eras. Or their best eras by their standards, of like DePaul in the same background and Indiana, obviously. But it does to me feel like a place that's kind of a sleeping giant.
5: Sure. And I mean, and and again, let's talk about, you know, when you grew up, people have talked about Notre Dame and NBC for 30 years. People forget Notre Dame and NBC was a basketball connection before it was a football connection. And so from the mid 70s to, say, the mid 80s, You know, you would see Notre Dame play this national schedule. You would see them play every Saturday afternoon on your television. Again, you think of the cavalcade of stars they had from the start of the Digger Phelps era until about the mid-'80s. Those are some really good basketball players. And while maybe Mike Bray was never able to capture that same star quality, because of during his tenure they were in a conference the entire time, it made it easier for that program to go out and be successful. And again, the fact that he's able to take Notre Dame to back-to-back elite age was something really impressive. And I think in the ACC, I think the ACC is in a period of transition. Let's face it, Duke was out in the second round. Coach K's no longer there. North Carolina was not an NCAA tournament team this year. Roy Williams is no longer there. They're great programs in the ACC. But you can get to the top of that league, I think, maybe a little more quickly than you could in years gone by. And I'm, I'm really curious, and you were talking about name, image, and likeness stuff. I'm very curious as to, I don't think NIL is going to be a problem with Notre Dame. Raising funds is not our issue there. And I, and I don't think the transfer portal is going to be a problem because of think of how many transfers that Mike Bray has had over the years, and it's worked out pretty well for him there too. So given all those factors, you can put together a good team really quickly at Notre Dame, which is why, again, I expect Mike and Shrewsbury to be successful from the jump.
1: Kenny's great. Greg Straw, And that's just music to my ear. So thank you, Rake, for making me feel good on this Friday. <laughs> um, ISC sports network. And I obviously we'll get to the state finals here in just a second, but we had Kyle then on earlier this week. And I want to ask him, or I want to ask you a very similar question. I asked him of, you know, you get deep in the tournament rake and you do have local ties still in it. We saw John L. Davis interviewed last night and I get, he's from, you know, a pocket of the state. We don't talk a ton about and Gary or, you know, Jack Nunji later tonight, from Evansville playing for Xavier. Obviously, Nigel Pack here locally with Miami. Uh, any stories on any of those three? I, I feel like those are the main three from a local standpoint playing still left in the tournament.
5: Sure, and and we talked about that thing last week to Jack. Given part of the reason why he is at Xavier, I am so happy for any success that that young man has in his career. Uh, I feel good for John L. Davis too because I think John L. would be a much more known quantity in this state and he not been a senior in 2020 because his school, Gary 21st Century, which has now grown to a two A school, was a one A school when he played there. I firmly believe they would have been the state champs in 2020. And COVID hits, and that's that's the end of that. Uh, he also would have been an Indiana All Star. He wasn't Indiana All Star. So didn't have a chance to play, uh, and so he would have been a much more known commodity in this state. Had those couple of things not happen, so I'm happy for the success that he has had. And, you know, I had the pleasure of watching Nigel play a lot his junior and senior years at Lawrence Central. And I always thought that, you know, he should have been maybe even more in the Mr. Basketball discussion. His senior went to Anthony Leal. It was really down to Leal and, and Tony Perkins seemingly as to who was going to get that And again. He was twenty twenty, so he didn't get to, he was on the team, didn't get a chance to play on the Indiana All Star team. But I sit here and watch Nigel and I think about the talent that was on that L C team. And if you go back a year earlier, you've got Jake Laravia, first-round draft pick, Tay Davis, Dre Davis, both playing at Seton Hall, and Nigel Pack now playing in the ACC after playing at Kansas State, who is now in the Elite Eight as well. So, uh, But I have always been thoroughly impressed with Nigel Pack's game.
2: Greg, shifting gears to this weekend and high school basketball. High school, I know, is on your mind because I saw that you had um... – I don't know if it was impromptu high school reunion, but <laughs> got together. You guys went to you grew up in Lanesville, Indiana, right?
5: That is correct, sir. So yes. So that's down near
2: New Albany, Louisville area, correct?
5: Correct. That is that is equidistant to use a big old fancy word that wouldn't be used in Lanesville. Uh between Corden and New Albany is where Lanesville is located. Okay.
2: And so you have of your graduating class of six one of them lives in Cincinnati or something. And so you guys got together, I guess, in Greensburg, is that right, or Batesville?
5: In, in Greensburg, I made Brian drive a little more. And my graduating class was was not six. It was almost five times more than six. Ooh. Almost. It was 29. Brian and I were in the same class. Rachel in that picture was two years behind us. And then Steve, uh, who you could tell was a pretty good doubles player because of his height, he was in the class between the two of us. He was a year behind us.
1: You need Got a couple booths at La Rosa's in Batesville then, right? What's that? You need Greensburg. a couple booths. Oh, Greensburg. I uh, went to go we see the tree in the corner. Correct. Maybe there's a La Rosa's in Greensburg too. There is,
5: there is not. And that is the that is the way of telling that you are really in Cincinnati and not in Indianapolis anymore is the fact that the two first restaurant you see at the Batesville exit exit 149 are La Rosa's and Skyline. <laughs> That's the official gateway to Cincinnati. Those two things don't exist in Greensburg. Greensburg, hence still a part of Indianapolis.
3: Um,
2: Ray, from the high school standpoint, and I probably should have asked you this earlier this year. I always get confused by it. Badunga or Badunga?
5: Badunga. We said Badunga last year and took Flory, kind of like Bobby O'Karaquet or Antoine Bethea, a year to correct us. Badunga.
2: Okay, so Flory, Badunga. Um, Two-part question, I guess. The first one would be, we were just discussing like the NIL stuff in terms of because he is here, obviously he didn't grow up in the United States. He's from the Congo. It, it, does any of that get complicated in terms of his recruiting? And then number two, um, is it possible this is the last chance you're going to see him play for Kokomo High School?
5: No, I, on the second one, I think he's staying. Um, and again, he, he is attached to a family in the, in the Adams family that is very well connected uh, in terms of AAU circles. <laughs> Uh, exactly. I figured there would be a finger snap coming in at some point in time. Strong think, I don't think snap right is there. Was involved in his uh, in, yeah, in, in his recruitment. Um, it, it, it is it, it, he's going to stay. Uh, and, and let's face it, so many kids, you know, go to the AU or, or, or I should say the prep program route, or almost like this national level of high school, you know, originally Oak Hill, Montverde, IMG, La Lumiere, et etc., because they feel they need to up their recruitment. Well. Every coach known to man has flown to Kokomo to watch him play at some point in time this year. So there is nothing from a recruiting standpoint I think he would gain by doing that. His head coach in John Peckinpah is, you know, was a former college coach, you know, is, was an assistant coach at IPFW, was a head coach at the Division II level. You know, he's less than 15 years removed from being a college basketball player. Um, he gets a very good level of coaching at Kokomo High School. Um, there may not be th- th- that great of talent around him next year because a lot of a lot of senior kids that are really probably more football players uh, in terms of what their future is going to be than basketball players. So the roster might look a little different next year. But I think I think his family values as well. They should um, the absolute you know. Um, trying to think of the best way to phrase this the reverence that he and kokomo basketball have been held in since he came to town two years ago i mean think of you you you, you use the example of showing the crowd between kokomo and Penn for the semi-state that's kokomo every game at this point you know we i'm curious next year if we start to get to like damon bailey territory in terms of teams that are hosting kokomo says you know what our gym seats 4,000. Let's find a gym that seats seven or 8,000 because we can have seven or 8,000 tickets. That is the level of interest in watching this young man and that team play. So I think for a lot of reasons, that kid's staying in Kokomo. Uh, are they
2: one. more than just Flory in terms of this matchup with undefeated Ben Davis, or is it literally Ben Davis, which interestingly enough is, I think, a really balanced team, taking on one really unstoppable guy in four complementary pieces. I mean, that is no slight to the sure. rest of the roster for Kokomo. I just don't know how they're constructed. And so that they're, that's my question.
5: They, they will play about a seven or eight-man rotation. Uh, they've got Zion Bellamy, Reese Beard, Shane Spear, Patrick Hartman, Carson Rogers. Um, and, again, most of those kids, like, for example, there was a little bit of a struggle out of the gate for Kokomo. Uh, they lost to Westfield, who was a good team, not a great team this year. Lost to Westfield in game number one in part because Kokomo made the football semi-state in 4A this past year, and which meant they were playing basically up until the week and before the first game. A lot of their kids are football kids. They had five practices uh, before they then played Westfield in game number one. Um, so, again, they've got, they've got good athletes, good solid high school basketball players, None of the other big-time recruits. Uh, You know, this is not like Ben Davis, who have their four senior starters. Two are playing Division I basketball next year. Two are playing Division II basketball next year. Another starter is going to be either a D1 football or basketball player in a couple of years. And there's likely a Division I player or two that are coming off the bench for Ben Davis because they're underclassmen. That's not the case for Kokomo. Now, they've got a couple of kids that will play college football next year, one at Finley and Shane Spear. That one's going to play at Manchester at the Division Three level. They have another senior that's deciding whether I'm playing baseball or basketball. So they're a good team, but Ben Davis one through five is more talented than Kokomo is. But if you're asking for by far the highest level national recruit in that game, it's Lori Badunga.
1: Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us. He'll be over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I believe, three A and four A on the rake plate coming up tomorrow night. Um, Boy, every time I think of John Peckinpah, Rake, I think of him wrestling Greg Oden in the post right. his Muncie, or him rocking the helmet that he had at uh, IPFW. Uh, let's go to the 3A game. One of my favorite humans, Bobby Allen, coaching Garen Uh They have had a kind of a – I would say a bit of an odd season of like you got to the tournament. I don't know if anyone called them necessarily a favorite. And then, Rake, you look at their scores here throughout the tournament. I think every win is by double figures. Uh, yep. Thoughts on the 3A matchup between Northwood and Garen
5: so, so Garen Catholic is part of kind of the, one of the most open halves of the bracket I have ever seen um, because there was, there was no favorite in 3A South. You know, so much of the conversation was about North Davies, who had went from 1A to 2A on enrollment and then said, you know what, we'll bump to 3A and we'll play at the 3A level. And it was, okay, could they pull this off? And they got beat by Scottsburg in the morning game in the semi-state. Garen in their two sectional games – beat conference rivals in Burbuff and Chittard that beat them during the course of the regular season. Um, And, and yes, they have won every game by double digits. All those games have been between kind of 12 and 16 points. They were up by 22 in the semi-state final against Scottsburg. They also had a game rained out. They had a rain delay. Um, There was a leaky roof on sectional Friday night at Short Ridge. They had to come back and play the last three minutes of the game the next night and kind of got through that hurdle too. Um, in terms of the matchup, they are they are, are a big and physical team, which is good because Northwood has really good size and they're a really experienced team. And they've got a couple of kids that are playing basketball in the crossroads league next year, maybe a division one young man in Tyler Rosh, who is a 6 eight sophomore. So Northwood's not very deep, but the five or six kids that play are all really good. And they have consistently been the best team outside of 4A this year. So I think Garen can imagine with, from a physicality standpoint, I expect a low-scoring half-court game between those two tomorrow night in 3A.
1: Did I hear you correctly in Bobby Allen in 3A at Cathedral and Don Carlisle in 4A at Ben Davis? they If they win their respective state titles coming up Saturday night, They'd be just one of like four or five individuals in the state history to win as a player and as a coach, a state title? That
5: is correct. The the last one to pull it off was Pete Turgovich, 1971 player, East Chicago, Washington, 2007, East Chicago Central. Burl Frittle of Franklin Wonder 5 fame was the first guy to do it, playing for Franklin, coached at Washington, won a state championship elsewhere as well. There have been four. Bobby Allen would be five. Don Carlisle then would be five or six, depending on what happens in the 3A game.
2: Isn't there
1: some – That's pretty cool.
2: Isn't there like a weird quirk there, Greg, where East Chicago Central was – like East Chicago Washington joined with others to become East Chicago Central. Is that correct?
5: Correct. So what you're referring to is Don Carlisle would technically be the first person to do it at at his alma mater. In other words, all those other – those four previous people to do that were a player at one school and coach at another – the asterisk slash technicality is Pete Turgovich is at East Chicago Washington. That school merged in the eighties with East Chicago Central, so technically it's not the same school. Gotcha. But it is the same school. Yeah, it's kind of like kind of like
2: basically. Anderson, right? I mean Madison Heights and Anderson and and Anderson Highland and how that's all
5: kind of merged together. Yeah. Correct. Absolutely.
1: Rick, uh, before, before we let you go, it's more of just kind of an astonishing thing when I looked at it. So Ben Davis, they win on Saturday. They go undefeated. That would just be the second undefeated state title team we've had since 0-9? I
5: uh, believe so. Um, we had we had a run of those in like the the early 2000s. Um, but yes, Warren Central 32 and 0, Ben Davis 33 and 0, and it would be the second most wins in an undefeated season. Actually, I'm sorry, it'd be the most wins in an undefeated season in the history of Indiana high school basketball, and it would be the second most wins ever. In an Indiana high school basketball season,
4: God, that's
1: crazy to me. Like you didn't have a Class A or 2A team go undefeated in the last 13 years. And that Warren think, team, of I, course, I, I, was the team I that think, beat Romeo.
5: Yeah, I, I think part of it is too is that I think what you now have is that the teams that are really good in 1A, 2A, and 3A that have an idea of hey, we're, we have a chance to get to the state finals. I think the idea is hey, let's go, let's let's find a way to get some bigger teams in our schedule. Sure. Let, let, let's go play in these showcase events, or we're playing in the Hall of Fame Classic, whatever the case may be. I think those schools have really upped their schedule. So I'm sure you've got the list in front of you. You feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think the only 1A, 2A, 3A teams that have finished undefeated, I think, is is Lewis cash in '03 with Bo Bauer, and then Waldron with the Barnard Twins in '04. I think the other teams that have gone undefeated have all been in the 4A ranks. off the top of my head. I believe that's the case.
1: Yeah, let me uh, – let, let me give me just one sec. I can find it. Attucks, 56. Yeah, you got to go way back. Um, yeah. Started hey, in 1998. Rick, here we go <laughs> while we're at it. You had 03 Pike, 03 Lewis Cass, 04 Waldron, 06 LN, 09 Bloomington South, and Princeton that year. And yeah, then, that's right. Yep, yep. And then since go. that year – just 2018, Warren, obviously the iconic semi-state game, uh, beating Romeo Lankford and company.
2: So, Greg, that that Waldron team you just mentioned was coached by Jason Delaney, who then later went correct. on and won with Trey Lyles and Tech, uh, then won with Cathedral, right? Correct. So, you know, Bill Green jumps to mind as somebody who has won at multiple schools. Is three the most for any one coach? Yes,
5: and Jason is the only person that has done that, correct.
2: It's pretty impressive. Not only three schools, three classes, right?
5: Two two classes, just Tech and Cathedral both 4A. Okay, but, there but, you go. Yes. Then in 1A and 4A, absolutely. Impressive. Rake TV, right? 3A, 4A tomorrow for you? That, that is correct. So, again, the 3A game, for those of you who want to watch Garing Catholic and Northwood, you got to find Bally Sports Extra, the Bally Sports app, or go to ihsatv.org because the Pacers play a kind of a weird time tomorrow. They play at 5, but because they play at 5, that allows us to put the 4A game back on the valley sports indiana main channel so i would imagine at some point in time in the 3a post game or in the 4a or your preamble i'm able to say we welcome those of you joining us now for the pacers game on valley sports indiana
1: actually probably works out pretty well considering the anticipation with that 4a game coming up tomorrow night rake have a great call and thank you for all the insight this morning
5: of course fellas, take care buddy
1: that's a great Greg rake straw you heard him earlier this weekend noon to three as well and he's got the 3A and the 4A games for those curious. The morning session tomorrow over at GameBridge Fieldhouse. Things will get underway with the Class A matchup. That is 15 and 15-12 Southwood taking on Lutheran. Uh, the 2A game, Blackhawk Christian, their head coach, Matt Roth, former IU guard Matt Roth, against 29-1 and Lenton. And then Northwood and Garen in 3A, Kokomo and Ben Davis 4A. Uh, head coach of Garen, Bobby Allen, uh, taught me in first period comp class at Cathedral really? back in the day. Great dude. Uh, he actually used to coach at Knightstown. Jake, I always felt like that would be an iconic job. I just picture scenes from Hoosiers. That'd like, be pretty cool, wouldn't it? You know, demanding they fire him. <laughs> coach stays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm all in on Southwood. Did I see correctly that would be the most losses
2: for a state champion ever? I think you did say that. They started out, if I'm not mistaken, they started like one and seven.
1: I'm curious with teams like that because I know Rake mentioned this with Kokomo. Kokomo played Ben Davis, what did he say, third game of the season? Kokomo made the semi state in football. Several of their football players, I think, were not yet playing on the basketball team. I don't know what Southwood's football program looked like. That would make sense. That would make sense. You know, I'm always curious when you see those teams kind of start slow. Yeah to a season. You get your full roster after a while. Right. Uh, but yeah, that Ben Davis-Kokomo game early in the year, just a seven-point game. Um, we'll see how the Kokomo guards can handle Ben Davis's intensity and their press and their depth coming up tomorrow night. All right. Uh, is it time for a morning check down? It is. Yeah.
3: The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
0: By the way,
2: I believe it is East Chicago Roosevelt. I was watching a video the other day uh, from the 1985 IHSA State Finals where Tom Carnegie at halftime was introducing all of the former winners. In that was the a IHSA really cool State video tournament. you sent out. It was pretty wild, wasn't it? mm mm-hmm. um, And in that, East Chicago Roosevelt is one of the coaches that's referenced. I believe it was East Chicago Roosevelt and East Chicago Washington that is now East Chicago Central. Those are the two schools that merged. Speaking
1: of Gary, should we start with John L. Davis and the Owls of Florida Atlantic? The leading scorer last night for the Owls, it was kind of a grinding affair against Tennessee. They were able to outlast them, though, and FAU with Dusty May and Clay Jr. high legend Todd Abernathy. They are heading to the Elite Eight, and Jake there, they will take on Kansas State in what probably was the game, I think still is the game of the tournament, but the nightcap last night uh, might be number two on that list.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kansas State and Michigan State went ahead and went into overtime. Kansas State then had an unbelievable, like, no-look, kind of behind, like, reverse dunk alley-oop, 19 assists in a game. And then UCLA and Gonzaga said, well, hang on, hold my soft drink. I'll say it that way since we're talking about college kids. And that game was unbelievable. College, UCLA College Gonzaga kids aren't and drinking forth. beer? No way. No, <laughs> well, no PBR. The, the freshmen and sophomores are – Kevin um the back and forth nature of Gonzaga and UCLA two teams that each would go on like seven nothing runs 10 to 3 runs it just the leads kept going back and forth UCLA was in control for the early part of the second half then Gonzaga came roaring back took a huge lead UCLA took the lead back Lots of changes towards the end of that ballgame. You know,
1: I encourage everyone, uh, maybe wait till your lunch break, but today at work, dial up the Gonzaga UCLA highlights. It's hard to describe what took place in that second half, but again, UCLA up thirteen and a half. Gonzaga then just a dominant second half. They take a ten point lead with two thirty to go. We know the history of these two teams. They show Adam Morrison doing the color radio for for Gonzaga, the big collapse they had. 17 years ago to the day yesterday when all that unfolded. Gonzaga loses their 10-point lead with less than two minutes and 30 seconds to go. And then Julian there, their guard from Las Vegas, hits one from the March Madness logo with about seven seconds to play to take a two-point lead, and they were able to hold on from there. Tiger Campbell almost hit a buzzer beater that would have sent the game into overtime, but just an absolutely – Wild finish. So coming up on Saturday, the first game will be Florida Atlantic and Kansas State. The second game from Vegas will be UConn and Gonzaga. By the way, I did mention this earlier, but I do find it
2: fascinating. Somebody sent it to me. It was on a tweet earlier this morning. Florida Atlantic's win last night puts now the 58th, 58th different college basketball program to make the Elite Eight in the men's basketball tournament since Indiana's last Elite Eight appearance. Purdue of course is in that list. Uh, Creighton and Princeton guarantees 59 tonight In San Diego State should they win would make 60 different teams.
1: Purdue, Notre Dame, and Butler all on that list. Isn't that something? And uh, I guess if you add those up right, Purdue won, Notre Dame two, Butler two. So you've had five from the state of Indiana since the last one in Bloomington. That is something man. That is salt meat and wounds right now.
2: (laughs) That is that. Uh, Uh, NBA tonight, by the way, Pacers in Boston taking on the Celtics. 7 o'clock tip. You can hear that game coverage beginning at 6.30 right here on the fan. Last night in the association, just a couple of games. I'm feverishly looking for my sheets. Uh, Cleveland, 116-114 over the Brooklyn Nets. It was the magic over the Knicks, 111-106. Palo Benquero, by the way, 21 points, was not misidentified as Patrick Mahomes before the game. New Orleans Pelicans, 115-96 over the Charlotte Hornets. And the Clippers got 32 from Kawhi Leonard. They beat the Thunder, 127-105. to 105.
1: I just got a good stretch in. I realized you didn't really react.
2: Well, you're clothed. Makes a world of difference, Kev. The comfort level in this show for everybody else but yourself, when you're clothed, is much higher.
1: Sam, I've noticed our view t- or our YouTube audience a little bit down today. I think uh, <laughs> that might be a sign that I should go shirtless a little bit more often. I told you, you, you let the ammunition out too early last night. You've you've mm-hmm. cats out of the bag. You got to go shirtless every show it's now. It's cloudy was out
2: right now, so there's no suns out, I'm guns out. Right.
1: Pride myself on consistency. Maybe that should be the new consistent future of this show uh when we come back we'll look at or I guess look ahead to tonight again some interesting matchups with these one seeds I think both the five seeds in these matchups could make things interesting and as Jake said Pacers and Celtics Tyrese Halliburton questionable for that one we'll see if he makes his return after missing uh pretty much I think like the last handful of games we'll do that next here Kevin and Corey 93.5 107.5 The Fan
4: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Greg in the YouTube chat. Yeah,
1: yesterday I came for the sports content, stayed for shirtless Kevin. Okay. Seems to be a common theme here on this Friday morning. Again, there was some constructive criticism. I'm not going to ignore that, Uh, deservedly so. Um, Yeah, I mean, I've got a body that looks like a little beer, a little cheese, a couple donuts. (laughs) Metabolism's a hell of a thing until you turn about 26. You got a dad bod, right? I got a dad bod. I do. I was representing dad bods. Out there. Uh, Tonight, Jake, we've got four. And, boy, if they can just sniff what we got last night, um, that would be absolutely awesome. I I might be premature with this, so feel free to disagree. Uh, I like both the five seeds to cover tonight. I like seven and a half for San Diego State. I like seven and a half for Miami.
2: Somebody told me they took an eight-game parlay for all of the underdogs. Oh. $5 $5 wager to win
1: $27,000. Did they miss? Was Kansas State favored last night? Kansas State was favored. I didn't know. Well, UConn was certainly favored. I take
2: that back. I think it was all lowered seeds. Maybe that's what it was. You had to take all the lower seeds.
1: You know, San Diego State, I might be prisoner of like they were in the 12 o'clock sunday slot or saturday slot last week so i like watched them and they dominated oh, you did watch them
2: see they're the one team that i'm like i haven't seen a single well, moment
1: of them and full transparency jake that was like the first time i watched them all year right. but i see them and i'm like this is their team every year like just tons of length um very deep and they get you to play to their pace they have held their last three opponents the two in the tournament And then their conference championship game with Utah State to season lows in scoring. Again, part of this is me wanting to root against Alabama, so I'll fully acknowledge that. But I'm going to take them to cover this seven and a half. Then I'm going to take Miami to cover seven and a half with uh, with Houston.
2: Okay, I I could see Miami upsetting Houston.
1: I mean, Houston was down ten to Auburn in the second round.
2: Okay, here's the thing: there's always, as we saw last night with connect there's the, here's the better question kevin last night we had you know gonzaga ucla was a great game michigan state kansas state was a great game florida atlantic and tennessee was a good game i mean you know tennessee was up at the half florida atlantic comes comes back takes the lead and then you had a, a dud i mean uconn blew arkansas out. Mm-hmm.
1: what's tonight's dud game yeah is it creighton you think creighton blows out princeton you think back to the last couple of years, Jake, obviously last year you had St. Peter's. I think it was a Friday night last year beating Purdue, you know, or Roberts. I don't remember them being super competitive in their sweet 16 game as a 15 seed. I don't remember Florida golf coast being super competitive in theirs. Nine and a half point spread. I just think Creighton's got a lot of firepower. Boy, you know, he's a great player is Nemhard's brother for them. He is good. He's Very a good. really good player. Um, that would be the one that I would point to. Again, I think Xavier Texas is going to be outstanding. Um, yeah. yeah, I think
2: I think Texas is going to blow out Xavier. Really? Yeah.
1: Boy, you forget. You think back to that opening was the opening day of the tournament. It might have been the Friday of the tournament. You know, Xavier had to sweat it out with Kennesaw State. It seems like they've got some firepower. I I, I do like Texas, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's a a four-and-a-half-point spread. That's the closest one we have of the night.
2: Uh, Hey, Jake, somebody just asked, has there ever been a Final Four without a number-one seed? There have. Uh, As a matter of fact, when Butler was here in 2011, or actually that was in Houston, but UConn was a three, Butler was an eight, Kentucky was a four, VCU was an 11.
1: Well, we talked about that Final Four here in 06, right? the LSU, the George Mason. Border was a 3 UCLA to 2 Mason
2: and 11 and LSU a 4. Yep.
1: Who's the 5 or higher that we're going to get? We've had it nine straight years. Is it FAU? Now,
2: 5 or higher, you mean 5 or lower, right? Uh, yeah,
1: seed. Yes, correct. Okay.
2: Um
1: Is it Creighton? As boy, a 6?
2: They've got to get through hell, it could be San Diego State. I mean, if San Diego State knocks off Alabama tonight, then they got Creighton or Princeton. I will go with, so we need somebody who is seated five or lower for this to continue to get into the Final Four. Of those, what is UConn, a four? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I will go with
1: Miami. Upset Kelvin Sampson. Now, is that a little bit of... Your heart or your head?
2: No, I think Miami I think Miami has the ability to do – I think Houston, Kevin, is really good. I think they're a little banged up. And I think Miami kind of plays – Miami has the ability to say, I can do what you do. You know, I can do – what, what's the saying?
1: Anything you can do, I can, I can do better. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I feel like that's kind of where Miami is right now from a health standpoint.
1: Oh, you need that over Boo Quarry's – litter box (laughs) motivational
2: it looks like he might have used the litter box last night oh good sign good
1: have you emptied it or
2: no i mean i I just like late last night when i got in i looked i'll clean it out for him today for sure but you know
1: i uh watching that noel kid for kansas state jake i just got so much kemba walker madison square garden vibes and honestly I know he's still got to win three more games. But, Jake, when I remember the Kemba runs, I remember him much more as a scorer. Noel had 19 assists last night. I know. 19 assists. He broke, I think there was 10 minutes to go in the game, and they flashed up the graphic. He's broke the record for most assists in a regional round game. I'm like, there's 10 minutes to go in the game. I remember
2: when Keith Smart had 15 against Auburn in 87. I think that was a record here at the Dome. Another record that was set last night was Drew Timmy. They said, going into the game, they said, Drew Timmy is tied with nine players, or no, uh, five players, I guess, with nine NCAA tournament games over 20 points. Can he become the 10th and break the all-time record? And then it's like, He scored like the first 15 points of the game for Gonzaga.
1: I'm a little, I'll admit it, and usually you kind of feel this way I think about the Kansas City Chiefs. I. There's a little Drew Timmy fatigue in post-game media sessions for me. It's a little, but you know what? I, boy, I appreciate him as a player. It's a good player. I mean, it's so impressive. The footwork, the touch,
2: yeah. The ability to switch hands depending on where he's under the basket. Now the
1: he's crafty, crafty. He um,
2: he does do. Do you remember he was a big kisser of the crowd?
1: Yeah, and now I think it's more of a. Well, I think he's always been a flexer, too, well, but he likes to stroke the mustache.
2: Is that the other thing he does?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was doing that a lot. Which, there were moments yesterday I thought about stroking, stroking say, the chest hair. Okay. okay. I refrain, but there were a few moments, especially when you have, made the hair and goatee reference.
2: I had a guy in college, Mark Dwyer, who had his sternum, he had some sort of a, I don't know if as a child he had something wrong. And Mark was a good-looking dude, but he had a an indentation in his sternum, like it was it was concaved. And in the fraternity house, he didn't do it all the time. Thank goodness, uh, he would eat cereal out of it. What? <laughs> wow. Okay. He would sit back, and it was it was. Concaved enough that he could put cereal and milk in it. And Is was it eat- fair to
1: say his stay in Lawrence was about as long as yours?
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was from Fort Collins, Colorado. Or no, um, yeah, he was from Fort Collins, Colorado.
1: And I think oh, you was- want to pledge here? Yeah, I can eat cereal out of my sternum. <laughs> say no more. You're in.
2: You are exactly uh-huh. right. You're on the senior wing, actually. <laughs> Dwyer later, by the way, like he transferred, I think, back to Colorado State, and like. Five years later, I saw him on Ricky Lake. <laughs> <laughs> true story. It was like he he was in some sort of love triangle, and he was on Ricky Lake.
1: That is, that, that could not be more true, I feel like. Yep.
2: <laughs> that is such a, like. Well, if we're looking slippery. for positives,
1: at least you haven't been on Ricky Lake, <laughs> as far as I know.
2: <laughs> that is correct. And I don't eat fruity pebbles out of my chest.
1: No, no. You know? Not that. But although Boo would think that's pretty cool, probably. That's right. Uh, we're going to have Bobby Allen, coach of Garen, join us at 945 as they get ready for the 3A game coming up tomorrow. Um, something I think we can maybe chat about tonight, Jake, because I do feel like this weekend is absolutely pivotal. How big do you think the section is of the Pacers fan base that want to see them in the playing? 10%. 9 to go. They're a game and a half back of Chicago for the 10 seed which would be the play-in again they have the tiebreaker over Chicago um, curious your thoughts on that Jake and then do you think organizationally it is very high and how they maneuver that here over the final nine games we'll chat about that uh, and the phone lines are open as well 317-239-1070 if you want to join the conversation it's an ugly start to this Wednesday from a it's a Friday uh, uh, Wednesday. Wednesday come on Friday. What the hell did I say Wednesday? You were thinking about the time you were getting ready to take your shirt off. Well, yeah. i was. Yes. In, in your
2: defense. In your defense, the best game of the college basketball national, uh, NCAA tournament last night ended at like 12:45. <laughs> I, mean,
1: I know. Up. Yeah. Yeah, a lot not a lot of sleep here uh, on this Friday morning, but again, visibility not ideal. I Some rain in Wednesday. the forecast today and and Saturday.
3: You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
2: Good looking Tuesday out there, isn't
1: it, bro? <laughs> Yeah, a beautiful Monday here <laughs> in Indianapolis. Like yeah, yeah, certainly does. Uh, speaking of, I guess, days of the week, it's been busy one for pro days across college football. Jake, is today the pro day of the future Colts quarterback?
2: Is today Lexington. Lexington
1: Kentucky for Will Levis later today I do think so Bryce Young was yesterday right correct Bryce Young yesterday sounds like that Carolina caravan of people continue to stop at all three of these again CJ Stroud Wednesday Bryce Young yesterday Will Levis today
2: Bryce Young does look pretty small
1: He's not big. I was as close as you and I are right now to him at the Combine. He is not going to be impressive from a physical stature standpoint.
2: So what is it about Bryce Young that overly intrigues people, you think? Poise.
1: Just, Just incredible poise, incredible chaos around him, and he does not seem to cripple, crumble, however you want to describe a very,
2: it. pretty precise passer, right?
1: Yeah. You know, there's an element of playmaking, certainly. I wouldn't call him some... Anthony Richardson-type runner, but I just think a whole lot of... I know where to go with the football, and even though I have a lack of height, if things can get muddy in the pocket and things aren't maybe the most ideal, I can make some plays. And, and Jake, I don't want to act like Alabama had a bunch of you, me, and Sam Fritz at the skill positions this year, but I do think we should acknowledge C.J. Stroud undoubtedly... Had more offensive talent around right. him than Bryce Young. I, I can make the argument, Jake. You will have four... I'll set it right there. You will have at least four Ohio State offensive players drafted before you'll have the first Alabama offensive player drafted. Separate the quarterbacks from that. Both offensive tackles for Ohio State. Jackson Smith and Jigba receiver. Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm thrown into that mix even though he's not eligible. Those four... And, and, and maybe more. Jameer Gibbs from Alabama, their running back, would probably be the only one that I would put potentially on that list. I
2: remember saying, and I don't remember where, or thinking maybe, when Josh Allen emerged and, and really broke through with Buffalo and you could see that it had come together for him, I remember thinking to myself, this guy's going to make somebody a lot of money. And I think that somebody's going to be Will Levis. Because... When Josh Allen was coming out of Wyoming, the narrative on him was, well, his he doesn't throw with a lot of accuracy. He's got all the tools. He's athletic. He can run. He's got a strong arm. He can throw the ball 90 yards through 100-mile-an-hour wind. But, man, his numbers really dropped off in his senior year at Wyoming, and he was inconsistent. And Buffalo looked at it and said, well, his numbers dropped off because his receivers left. And consistency in terms of ball placement can be worked out in reps. But the athleticism, the ability to pull the ball down and run, we can't teach those things. And they went with it. And the fact that – and I realize there are other quarterbacks, a lot of them, that you were waiting for all of that to happen and you ran out of time. But he is still the aftertaste that people have in terms of those experiments. And Will Levis, to me – fits that description, can make every throw, has a cannon of an arm, athletic, big guy. Well, his numbers weren't exactly where we wanted. His accuracy seems to be kind of all over the map, has a Carson Wentz feel about him. But the the upside is can be Matthew Stafford, can be Josh Allen. I think Levis is going to be – I think – there is enough sizzle there to intrigue people.
1: Yeah, I am not on this, like, anti-Will Levis has mayo in his coffee and I'm never going to talk about him ever again, and there's no chance I'd ever want him to play quarterback for my team. I, I'm not on in that camp. I mentioned earlier in the week, I was talking to an NFL scout, not, not with the Colts, but on a team that I don't think will be in the quarterback market this year. So, given that, I felt like it was a pretty honest opinion. And this is a guy that likes Levis more than Richardson. You know, feels like that junior film is Matthew Stafford-like. I think what other scouts like about Levis is at Kentucky, he had multiple offensive coordinators in NFL-type systems. So that is something that they feel like would be beneficial from just kind of a verbiage standpoint and being able to make somewhat of an early transition. You wouldn't put too much on his plate from an NFL system. Um you know, obviously, the question becomes how much of those excuses that he had senior year of his own health, the personnel around him, the continued change of coordinators, how much of that is real? I mean, offensive line personnel, the top weapons were, were gone. He was getting shot up before games just to play. It grows a lot of like that aspect from a toughness standpoint that... I could see the Colts liking. Now, having said that, you know, this scout that I was talking to felt like the Colts would be a little bit more enamored with Richardson considering the traits than they would Levis. But where he goes, Jake, Levis in particular, wild to me. Because we saw Daniel Jeremiah mock draft earlier in the week. He had Will Levis going 17, I think it was, to Tampa. Yeah. And Hendon Hooker going like four picks later to Minnesota. I don't think you rule out hooker either,
2: but I think that if you think that you can slide back, that sounds like a Friday night. Okay. (laughs) At least we got the day. I got my day of the week right there. Um, I I think there are other teams. I think the danger in sliding back and trying to buy one get one, and by that I mean draft yourself a lineman or, or edge rusher or corner or whatever at four, and then say, yeah, you know, then we're gonna. At like 30, what's our next one? 31. 35. Or 35. You know, then at 35, we'll take Hooker, and now we've we've addressed both needs. I think the danger there is.
1: I, That's wishful we, thinking, in my opinion. It is.
2: And there are other teams. There are 10 other teams with the same thought. Everybody's going to outsmart each other in that regard.
1: It is interesting that, you know, in terms of Hendon Hooker, he's this guy, fringe first round, potential second round, that. Is one of the cleaner, safer quarterback prospects by all accounts compared to some of these others. Like there's probably not as much boom or bust with him. When you think of Jordan Love a few years ago, you think of Lamar Jackson back to 2018. The thought was more boom or bust with those guys. So it's just kind of fascinating to think if you're you know kind of a nine or ten win team like Green Bay you know was when they took Love, or even Baltimore was with Lamar Jackson, and they thought okay you know we can wait on that guy. With Hooker, yeah, you have the ACL, but again, there doesn't seem like there's like, oh, he needs to sit for two years, and then he could reach this incredible ceiling of potential. So again, Kentucky's Pro Day is today. Next week, you'll have Anthony Richardson in Florida. We are nearing the start of the Colts off-season program. That'll be on the horizon when April gets here, and gosh, we're just barely a month, a month away from the NFL draft. 9 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin and Corey.
4: Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
3: You are listening to Kevin and Querry on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Nine
2: o'clock hours underway. It is 9.03. That's my birthday not right now my birthday september 3rd um a couple of house cleaning items as we mentioned earlier last night kevin you were with jack daniels as part of a papa shot competition right that takes place with people having the opportunity to register come out and play papa shot get a score recorded for a chance for a little cash
1: correct yeah over at uh, all star sports lounge 56 in georgetown new place really cool uh, great setup on the inside um I think they're kind of in the midst of a um, you know, soft opening this week and should be full go here pretty soon. So in that area, you know, you obviously venture over to that area a whole lot with the Colts Complex. So not a lot like that in that kind of general west side range. So cool area to have a spot like that. And you're going to be at certainly one of my old stomping grounds tonight, right?
2: The old BRT, Broadbill Tavern. I'll be there from 6 until 8 o'clock tonight for exactly that. Come out. Uh, what a great, great night to do it because there's going to be college basketball on, so watch some basketball, um, play the Papa Shot, register, have a Jack Daniels, and we'll have fun from 6 until 8 o'clock tonight at the Broderpool Tavern is where I will be. Also, last night you mentioned uh, soft openings. Kind of serendipitously last night we ended up and had dinner, and it was really good. Uh, Georgia Street Rhythm and Blues Lounge, which is in the old – burger study location but really? they have live music uh every night I was, was going to go in there yeah they have live music every night blues and, and rhythm and blues music and uh the sliders that i had were f- fantastic it, it was really a good spot um also and i know this is a very limited scope but i it, but thank you to the station here for letting me do this But WJEL is where I started, if you will, doing radio when I was in high school. That's the North Central High School, Washington Township radio station, 89.3 on your FM dial. And at noon, I'm going to be interviewing Dr. White, who is back as the interim principal in North Central. I know a lot of people, a lot of parents in the area, curious, how long is he going to do this? Why has he decided to come back out of retirement? Is it possible he's the permanent principal? Uh, Those are some of the things I hope to ask him and find out about. Uh, that's at noon today. Kevin, we were talking about the NBA and last night, you know, of course the Pacers taking on Boston tonight 6:30 you can hear the pregame with Mark and Pat talking about the Pacers Celtics game tip off at 7. And the Pacers are in kind of that that gray area is the wrong way of putting it, but they're right there on waiting to see if they fall into the playoffs or move into the playoffs, I guess you'd say, or stay in the lottery. Now doing the should we do a tankathon here? Sure. And this time, when we do the tank-a-thon, I want to look not only at who the Pacers are going to end up with, but also some of the other players of the local interest where they may be seeing their names. Roughly, I do think these things are pretty accurate based on scouts and and. And where are they right now? Anticipation. Uh, they are right now. Definitely not sixth anymore. I think they are ninth. Ninth in the, the no, they are lottery. eighth. The Pacers are eighth. eighth. So doing the tankathon. With the second pick in the 2023 Gosh. NBA take mock draft.
1: Stop the fight.
2: The Indiana Pacers select, wrong wording, Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama.
1: Yeah, he would certainly address a need. Obviously, there'd be some questions off the floor as well. I think Brandon Miller is just an incredible talent and would fit really a lot of what the Pacers are looking for. On the floor. It does seem like the old Scoot Henderson name, Jake, has waned a little bit. Yeah, he seems to have fallen back just
2: a little, right? But again, I,
1: I don't know. When you draft that high, do you go off of positional value or fit, I should say? But you kind of have a lot of guards.
2: Um, other names of interest and in where they are kind of slotting right now Chris Murray of Iowa, 15th. Um, Jalen Hood Shafino, 17th. He's gone at that in that case, right? Marcus so. Sasser out of Houston, 26th to Indiana.
1: Is Murray the only, uh, or Murray and Hodgefina the only Big Ten
2: guys? No, there's an Ohio State. Is Jet Howard up there? Uh, let's see here. Hang on just a second.
1: Sensenball from Ohio State.
2: Sensenball, 14th. Jet Howard 16th out of Michigan.
1: So he declared yesterday.
2: So he would go 16th. Now, you have to go into the second round. Pacers taking Noah Clowney out of Alabama as well at uh, 32. And then you rolled out a little bit more. 38th is where they have Trace Jackson Davis slotted. Again, this just gives you an idea of kind of what the anticipation is of where players rank. Zach Eady's name now finally appearing, 45th.
1: Interesting. Um. The Pacers are going to get Cleveland's first round pick, by the way. Yeah, I know this time last year we were kind of debating that. Cleveland is just on the verge of clinching a top six seed, you know, not going to be in the play in like they were last year. So that's good news on that end. So the Karis Levert trade will turn into a first rounder. Yes, that pick will be, you know, in the 20s. This, and, and the Boston pick is probably going to be late 20s. This but it
2: says with that pick, they would take, I hope I'm saying this right, C.D. Sissoko uh, out of France.
1: Sissoko. Doesn't Michigan State have a big dude named Sissoko as well? Do they? I'm pretty sure. C-I-S-S? But you said France. I, would, I, I think they would list his college before his country. Um, This guy's in the G League. Okay, so obviously not the same, same guy. So the Pacers are going to have three first-round picks. Again, we'll see where they fall in terms of the lottery. And I do think it's worth mentioning. And, and credit to the Pacers. You know, you can – and again, I – I'm of the belief right now that trying to improve the lottery standing should be the move. I understand that you put players on the floor and these players are not going to purposely miss shots and turn the ball over. I think that seems rather obvious to everyone. Um, So right now, the Pacers are in 11th place in the East, so they are out of the play-in. They are one and a half games back of the Bulls for 10th and two back of the Raptors for 9th. They have the head-to-head tiebreaker over both of those teams. Now, the Pacers do have one of the hardest schedules in the league here to close out the season. It's at Boston tonight. It's in Atlanta tomorrow. Um, but they are knocking on potentially creeping into the play-in. Um, you know, I asked Scott Agnes that question yesterday, Jake, and I'll throw it to you. Tyrese Halliburton's questionable on in the injury report tonight. This time last year, Malcolm Brogdon was questionable and never played. This time last year, Miles Turner was questionable and never played. Are we there with Tyrese Halliburton? I think so. So you would be surprised if he played?
2: I wouldn't be surprised. Let me rephrase that. It's not that I would be surprised if he plays. I would be understanding if he did not. Does that make sense? Should anyone
1: else be on that list? Should Miles Turner start to appear on that list?
2: I don't know that No, I Turner, I think Turner has missed so much time intermittently throughout the last few years that I think any time you can get him out there and just get him going, you, you do so. And I don't know that you know, Halliburton is the straw mixing the drink, man. And if he's got anything so I I don't know how bad his ankle is. You know what's interesting though is we went to the game. Last weekend, Saturday night, we went to the game, and Halliburton, you know, his thing now is he wears the like the pants that are a little short. And Shannon's brother Ryan said he's got huge ankles. Look how big his ankles are. And I thought that's a weird thing to say, and then it comes out he's got a sprained ankle or something was no allegedly. Is that balloon like that? I, I well, that's what I have no idea. I told Ryan, I said you got to have like the greatest doctor I ever, because I don't know that they'd said anything about him having an ankle. Now. Does he really have an ankle issue? I don't know. But my point being, if I'm the Pacers at this point with Tyrese Halliburton in particular, if there is a single hangnail that is sore, I rest him.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the other issue, too, from a play-in standpoint is, you know, if you're 10 or you're 9, well, I let's just say if you're 10, you're on the road for that first play-in game. If you lose – Well, if you win, I should say, you still are not guaranteed a spot in the playoffs. Then you're going on the road again to try and be the eighth seed. And Jake, the eighth seed plays Milwaukee in the first round. Like, I just, I understand that this roster has very few guys that have been in the postseason, very few guys that have played meaningful playoff games. Will there be some benefit there? Yes. But I still look at the current group and think they are, they need one more major piece. Because when Tyrese Halliburton has not played this season, the Pacers have largely struggled. You go around the league and you look at the teams that are in kind of the top half of their respective conferences, when they lose their best player, it doesn't look like as bad as the Pacers have been without Halliburton. So I think you need another kind of lead piece to go along with Halliburton and Matherin. And when you start to get finicky with kind of, oh, could they draft sixth? Could they draft ninth? I mean, Jake, just look at last year. Benedict Matherin would have been Johnny Davis or Dyson Daniels if you – would have won some games late in the season. That would probably change your outlook and your opinion on the Pacers. That is the concern that I have if you start to win games. You can obviously point to drafts where the 11th pick or the 12th pick have been better than the 7th or the 8th. But again, I want to be in control as much as possible. And then you can maneuver with those other two first-round picks because that's the beauty of it. You've got three first-round picks and possibly one of the top picks in the second round from Houston. There's no way you should spend four picks on rookies. Package those picks together and try and move up and draft two of them.
2: You know, I'm really kind of curious. So many of the names that we talked about last year around the draft, like when the Pacers were getting ready to draft, I mean, you were you were all in on Benedict Matherin from the get-go. But I'm curious where some of the other guys, like what they're doing, you know what I mean, in terms of their stats. Shaden Sharp. For example, remember how how much we talked about him? Because he was so intriguing because he hadn't played much at Kentucky. Um, good Lord, this the NBA website, you try to pull up stats, forget about it. Let me pull up Shaden Sharp here. But Dyson Daniels, I thought Dyson Daniels was the guy they were
1: going to go with. No one's had a worse rookie than Johnny Davis. Isn't that, I,
2: I hate to say this, doesn't it feel like that's always the case with like guards out of Wisconsin
1: yeah I mean I guess what Devin Harris had a decent career but yeah.
2: okay Shaden Sharp I think he got hurt early did he not
1: um that sounds right Shaden Sharp has yeah. played
2: in 71 games he has started six of them he averages 20 and a half minutes per game and eight points uh, yeah okay
1: and I guess we probably should be fair Jake like Shaden Sharp didn't play college basketball. You know, Benedict Matherin did play two years. And obviously it was a really, really key piece to Arizona. So I always just thought the one of the greatest things about Matherin was you saw great ability out of him at Arizona, but you also knew that this was a dude that based off his age and based off how he's wired, there was still more there. And you watch him play this season. That's why I thought the ankle injury was really disappointing a few weeks ago, I felt like he was making some strides more as a kind of like a playmaker. You know, at times he's bowling a China shop, and then I feel like as the year moved along, he started to be a little bit more delicate is not the right word in the China shop, but he wasn't knocking everything over. Okay, hey, maybe I should get, get in the lane and swing it out to, you know, Aaron Smith in the corner, or maybe I should try and, uh, you're not necessarily just barrel into traffic and get to the foul line. Those were some strides that I thought he was taking. And, again, I think he can continue to, to take. Do you like that the NBA does the playing?
2: Interesting. I was relatively – had no opinion about it for the most part until the Pacers now all of a sudden are kind of flirting with it, and so it becomes intriguing. It adds an element of intrigue. For the most part, no. I would say it doesn't mean much to me.
1: But Weren't they in it a couple years ago, right? And yeah, they were actually in it, right? Charlotte. They, they won the first it. game, then Correct. blown out by – they blew out Charlotte, then they lost the Wizards. Does that sound right? I
2: think that's right, yep. Uh, Dyson Daniels, by the way, 51 games played for the Pelicans. He has started 11 of them. He averages 18 minutes a game, 3.9 points, and two assists. Four points, two assists per
1: game. The West is wild right now. Seeds 4 through 12. So in that order, Phoenix, the Clippers, the Warriors, Timberwolves, Dallas, Lakers, Pelicans, and then just outside of the playoffs, the Thunder and the Jazz. Those nine teams are separated by three games. Yeah, it's crazy. And, Jake, that is from a team in Phoenix as the four-seed hosting. And Portland's only three behind that. Hosting a first-round series to... Utah's probably what, like seventh in the draft standings? Yeah. Three games with about nine to go.
2: And how about the fact in the West? I I mean, literally, the West right now, the top three seeds are like three of the most obscure franchises, historically speaking. The Nuggets, the Grizzlies, and the Kings.
1: <laughs> the NBA is like, we cannot have those markets <laughs> in, in the NBA Finals.
2: Can you imagine if the NBA Finals – is Sacramento and Milwaukee or Sacramento and Cleveland, I was say,
1: Cleveland without, you know, a LeBron, you Kyrie,
2: Les? Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, I'm all aboard the Kings train here come playoff time. I
2: like the Kings, man. I'm telling you. I keep on forgetting Mike
1: Brown's their coach.
2: I like the Kings. And they've got, look, Sabotis has, has played unbelievably well, and De'Aaron Fox is really good. De'Aaron Fox is a really good player. Really, really good player for them.
1: do the pop quiz here in about 10. Freebie Friday, Jiffy Lube oil change coming your way. And then uh, Bobby Allen, head coach of Garen there in the 3A state finals coming up tomorrow. He's going to join us to close out the show. Jake, I think I'm locking it in. I think I'm taking both the five seeds to cover tonight. Seven and a half point underdog San Diego State, seven and a half point underdog Miami.
2: Okay.
1: And you said you like Texas big?
2: I think Texas is going to win tonight. I think Texas is really good. I, I think nobody talks about Texas. I think they're really good.
1: Do you still have your... I've totally spaced. Do you still have your champion left?
2: Uh, I do. I ha- Well, are we looking at, like, the... Uh... I have one pool that I'm in with a bunch of friends from high school. Are you multiple bracket guy? Well, n- no. I'm not... I have one... Po- like, I'm a multiple pool guy because... Friends from high school and then the listener pool. And that's it. And then I, I actually did, when the bracket first came out, I did just like the first glance bracket. And in that one in the west, I've only missed one game. But in the lower left, I've only gotten two correct. <laughs> so it kind of balances out. In our bracket challenge, the Kevin and Corey bracket challenge, I currently sit 300 and, oh, no, that's points. Let's see. I'd like to know who's ahead or behind between the two of us. I have Alabama winning. Oh, up. I've got to be
1: way behind. I had Arizona.
2: Uh, I rank 268th. What, what do we have, like 350?
1: Uh, Would you say you are 260-something? 260 268. Oh, wow. Shockingly, I am higher. I'm 208.
2: I have, let's see. My. This is really hard to figure out who you picked.
1: I've got UConn and Houston still left. And right, I guess I have Alabama win another game. Oh, I forgot I had Creighton in the uh, lead eight. So I've got uh, my final
2: too. four, I had UConn. Th- this can't be right. What am I looking at here? This says that my final four, that I had UConn, Gonzaga, Kansas State, and Florida Atlantic. There's no way that's correct. Should
1: I take off my shirt to get us back on track?
2: Yes, please. I don't know what's going on here. Maybe I'm looking at whoever is leading.
1: You coming over tomorrow to watch Notre Dame women? Eleven thirty. You can bring Boo,
2: Rosie, and Max. I have to with find to Boo, Boo first. That's going to be half the
1: challenge. If I gave you right now, I, I assume I know your answer. If I gave you the right side of the bracket or the left side, what what would you take? I would take the right. The right side would give you the winner of the winner of Houston, Miami, the winner of Texas, Xavier. Then you'd have Gonzaga and UConn. The left side, you have the number one overall seed in Alabama, Florida Atlantic.
2: I think between Gonzaga, Connecticut, and then Houston, Miami, you're in pretty good shape, right? Because I do think that Alabama's probably the best team left, Kevin, and they are the most explosive for certain. But there just is a lot of – and all of these teams I think are really good, clearly, if you're at this point. I think Kansas State's probably way better than people give them credit.
1: And the same may be true of Creighton. Well, I mean, Kansas State, Jake, that's the best conference in college basketball this year. Big 12 is the best conference, and that's a team that obviously struggled early in the year. I mean, hell, Butler beat them at 12 at Hinkle, um, and they've got a hell of a guard. Marquise Dwell is a hell – of a player. It'll be Kansas State and FAU coming up Saturday night. Let's lead off the morning checkdown talking about the Owls.
3: The morning checkdown Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Jake on the FAU bench. You've got the pride of Eastern Green. That would be not John Michael Vincent, but it will be Dusty May next to him. Todd Abernathy, Clay Junior High, legend back in the day. You've got some Indiana flavor. John L. Davis, their leading score from Gary. Uh, Here was Dusty May last night on Florida, after Florida Atlantic. Um, Really won a physical game a very low-scoring game, and came back and beat Tennessee.
2: Thought it was a solid effort by the Owls because they were down at the half, came back 62-55, Florida Atlantic advances. Again, the one big game last night that probably got glossed over pretty quickly when people talking about games, 88-65, UConn over Arkansas. Uh, Connecticut looks awfully, awfully strong, the four-seed Danny Hurley's bunch. And then the two big slugfests, if you will, Kansas State, 98-93 over Michigan State. That one went in overtime, and Kansas State was just poised down the stretch. And then Gonzaga and UCLA was the ultimate game. It was like watching a volleyball match because in volleyball, one team is there's no sport that's more momentum-driven than volleyball, and that's what UCLA-Gonzaga felt like. Look
3: at that.
1: We have Matty Bowen call in, and you two can chat a little volleyball here. Volleyball's great. To um, it is. It's super entertaining. Yeah, it was an awesome game. Again, I was struggling to stay awake, but just the haymakers, they threw back and forth at each other. Uh, helped that cause. Uh, Brief rundown on what happened. UCLA up 13 and a half. Gonzaga comes storming back in the second half. They're up 10 with 2.30 to go. They start showing Adam Morrison. They start talking about the 2006 collapse when these two teams met. Gonzaga had a huge lead late, blew it. Morrison's crying on the floor. Gonzaga just slowly, that 10-point lead, wilts entirely away. Timmy, Drew Timmy, just bricks two free throws with about 20 seconds to go. UCLA comes down and hits a three to take the lead. Sam, if you don't mind, cue up the Julian Strother eventual game winner clip. Uh, Gonzaga with 12 seconds to go inbounds the ball. They don't get Drew Timmy a touch. They instead shoot one from the logo. It was
2: kind of smart, though, because if you miss that and the odds are the rebound goes long, then you get it to, I then you've got a chance. But I think they just went like, hey, let's go – Jake, imagine if that
1: was IU or Purdue and Zach Eady or Trace Jackson-Davis don't get a touchdown one of 12 seconds to go.
2: Fair. If it's Indiana or Purdue, though, they don't have necessarily the versatility of outside scoring and the reliability. That's, you know, the – I realize that Gonzaga this year was blown out by Purdue. I, I totally get it. And I know that Jalen hood Shafino had moments this year – where he played well, and Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis are two of the best players in college basketball. But I have to admit, when I watched, in particular, Gonzaga and UCLA and the pace in which they play, and for that matter, Michigan State and Kansas State and the the and I know again, I realize that Michigan State is in the Big Ten. I get it. And I know that this perception or feeling is not necessarily reality, but it felt to me like I was watching just a, an entirely different level of college basketball. Of Like, yeah, I don't know if those two schools – there just seems to be a huge gap there.
1: It's probably easy to say considering they've won their games by 23, 15, and 24, whatever the exact numbers are. But, Jake, UConn has got a great big dude. Sanogo is a great big yeah. guy. Look what they have around him. They are skilled, they are versatile, they are interchangeable, they can switch everything, any of them can handle it, many of them can shoot it, they can attack. It's really a well built, again, kind of team around the big. So it's fine to have a great big guy, of course. It can be super helpful. It's has been great for UConn all year long, but especially in this tournament. But I think that's what lacking um with Purdue and, and India, you know, different levels of it. Uh, But certainly, you watch UConn play, and that's a team I'm like, whew. By the way, can you see Riley Towers? They look like the – boy, it's disappeared, hasn't it, Sam Fritz? (laughs) Yeah, it has. You can barely see the monument, I I could see Riley Towers earlier in the – show. you know my sister-in-law lives in there? Really? Mm -hmm. Nice spot. Are they still pretty – I mean, they're like – Yeah. Because it's a cool joint for sure. Yeah, she's a nurse over at Riley. It's perfect for her. Yeah, she really really enjoys Riley Towers. Yeah, UConn is – UConn-Gonzaga, whew, I can't wait for that one.
2: Yeah, can you imagine? That's going to be a 150 to 135.
1: That'll be in Vegas, 849 Saturday night, uh, the early game in Madison Square Garden, Florida, Atlantic, and Kansas State. Again, Pacers and Celtics tonight. Our coverage begins at 630 right here on the fan. Tomorrow, the early tip in Atlanta for the Pacers. That's 5 o'clock as they... I would say the minimum need a split to kind of keep realistic hopes alive and trying to get to the play-in here this season. All right, it's time for the pop quiz.
0: Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. at participating McDonald's for a limited time.
2: Okay, Kevin, I, I figured it out. On our bracket on the ESPN website.
1: This pop quiz is so doable.
2: Um, I have a Final Four in my bracket. Not that anybody cares, but I'm going to tell you anyway. My predicted Final Four when this came out.
1: I'm going to read you my fantasy football team next. Yeah, no kidding.
2: I had Marquette, UCLA, Alabama, and Texas. You still got two? Yeah, but.
1: You got the top? Should have had UConn winning it all. What was I thing of Arizona? Uh, I think the pop quiz. Have you seen this pop quiz, Jake, yet? No, let me check here. Very, very manageable. Sam Fritz, give us a, uh, give us a number, one through eight. Uh, I think this whole week we haven't gone with four yet, so I'm going to say four, which would happen to be Ryan. Ryan. Ryan, good morning. Hi, Hi guys. Ryan, how you doing?
6: Pretty good. How about you guys?
1: Good. Ryan, how's the bracket?
6: Oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Purdue guy, so imagine my bracket.
2: Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Ryan, are you like me in the fact that, like, I know that Purdue absolutely mauled Gonzaga at the beginning of the year. But when right. I was watching last night, Gonzaga and UCLA and then, like, Michigan State and Kansas State, certainly Connecticut. I watch it, and I think to myself, and this is not a knock on Purdue or Indiana or Butler or anything else. I think this is just natural. But when I was watching it, I was thinking, this feels like a completely different level than what I've been watching all year in the Big Ten. And I know Michigan State's a Big Ten team, but does that make sense, though?
6: No, absolutely. I mean, the Big Ten is such a tough conference. I think those teams are all just coached to beat each other. Then when you venture outside the Big Ten, it's a whole other whole other game. And yeah, the pace is just good lord. Oh, yeah.
1: 17 Big Ten teams the last two years in the tournament. None to the Elite Eight. Just three to the sweet six team. All right, Ryan, it is Freebie Friday. I think you're going to do very well on the pop quiz, but just in case you don't go five for five, stay on the line, you will get a Jiffy Lube oil change. Uh, Jake, you want to lead off? Sure.
2: I will go with question number one for you here. You ready? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Of the four schools that advanced to the Elite Eight, Last night of the NCAA tournament, only one has previously won the NCAA tournament. Is it Gonzaga, Florida Atlantic, Connecticut, or Kansas State?
6: Uh, Connecticut.
1: Yep. All right, number two. <laughs> I mean, come on. That was like- <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, know. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was a right handed layup on like an eight foot goal there. Uh, number two, assuming you're right handed, I guess. Name the only player in the NCAA men's basketball tournament history with 10 or more 20 point games in his tournament career.
6: Hmm.
1: Have you listened to the show today, Ryan?
6: Uh, Briefly. I just got to work, so I might have missed it.
1: Is it A, Lou Alcinder, B, Bill Walton, C, Christian Leitner, or D, Drew Timmy? God.
6: I wonder, I'll i say Leitner.
1: Now,
2: let me say this, if I may. Did you look up the all-time points, by the way? Oftentimes, I couldn't find it. Oftentimes, in these situations, you look at it and say, which name would only be on this list if it was the correct answer because seemingly it doesn't fit with the others. Lou Alcindor, Bill Walton, Christian Leitner, Drew Timmy.
6: Hey, this Timmy guy is pretty good, I heard.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The weather's so dreary. I couldn't agree more with giving a hint there, Jake. I'm just so done with this. <laughs> uh, all right, Ryan, number three, Marquise Noel had 19 assists in Kansas State's overtime win over Michigan State last night, setting a new NCAA tournament record. Whose record did he break? A. Earl Watson, former Pacer, right? B. Mark Wade, C. Ja Morant, or D. Key Smart? Say Earl Watson. Was Key Smart like a big time point guard like that,
2: like distributing it like Interesting. that? Interesting. Not in that game against Auburn, he had 15 up against Auburn and a one hundred seven ninety win at the Dome, that was kind of an anomaly. Okay.
6: That was so long ago, though, wasn't it? Wasn't it like an 87? That was
2: 87, yep.
6: I think most of your listeners weren't even alive. And then. With Now, what,
2: what about yourself? How old a fella are you? <laughs> I'm 48. Okay, so you were alive? Yeah, you yeah, I was. You don't remember it. What's your excuse? <laughs> 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 Just kidding. You're yeah, a Purdue right. fan, right? Ryan, I was two I'm years away from the grand, womb, so. man. You're a Purdue All right, that's cool. Um, all right, here we go. Question number four. But it is a fair point, Ryan. It is absolutely a fair point. I totally get what you're saying. Believe you me. All right, question number four. Happy 53rd birthday to former Colts kicker Mike VanderJet. He was the Colts kicker for eight seasons before spending his final season with which NFL team and which he had a custom made pool made, a custom made pool in his new home with the logo of this team at the bottom of the pool and it was finished like a week before they released him Cowboys Seahawks Falcons or Dolphins
6: that would be America's least favorite team the Dallas Cowboys
1: yeah good work there Ryan all right number five to close it out ironically the idiot kicker shares a birthday with Peyton Manning 47 years old for Peyton today uh, Peyton's 14 postseason wins in his career ties him for the third most in NFL history. We know Tom Brady has 35 postseason wins, which I think is more than every NFL franchise besides the Patriots, of course. Uh, Ryan, who is second on the all-time postseason wins list? Montana, Elway, Favre, or Bradshaw? Uh,
6: Elway. No, Bradshaw. Bradshaw, sorry. How about yeah. one more? Um... Can I have the floor again? Yeah, think about, think
2: Montana about, or Favre? Think about Ted's Grill. Oh, uh, Montana. Okay. Mm-hmm. There you go. Ryan, one of the things that I most like about you, aside from the fact that you're a Purdue fan, because I'm cool with that, is the fact that you are under the assumption that the average listening age of our audience <laughs> is under the age of
6: 38. I I, I assume it's older. 36, um, 30, but I just love the dig, you know, almost 40 years ago. I so. mean,
2: it's a totally fair <laughs> point. It Ryan, who's your
1: totally favorite fan. Purdue player of all time? I feel like I maybe have asked you this before.
6: Yeah, it's Big Dog. Yeah. Hard to argue Yeah, he was, he was there when I was there, so it's – I actually know him, so it's a good How good about deal. this,
2: Ryan? Where's Glenn Robinson Jr. playing these days? Is he in Europe? Is he? Is he? How about is this, Ryan? How many he? basketball programs, how many Division One basketball programs have been to an Elite Eight since Indiana? <laughs> All of them? How many Except different? Purdue. Just give me a number. <laughs> um, Purdue has. 60. You are darn good, man. It's 58. It will be 59 tonight when either Cre- Creighton or Princeton goes. And if San Diego State wins tonight, it will be 60. That is impressive. Wow. That, my friend, shows that you are, in fact, an Indiana hater. Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh Question number one Of the four schools advancing to the Elite Eight, the one that has won the NCAA tournament, of course is four-time champion, the University of Connecticut.
1: Uh, Ryan actually had a pretty good pop quiz outside of question three. A little hint here, but yeah, Drew Timmy. Ten or more 20-point tournament games. No one's done that besides him. Now, funny enough, you went with Earl Watson, who had 16
2: assists for UCLA against Maryland in 2000, and you made uh, uh, certainly, as I said, a valid joke about Keith Smart's game being like should be in the Smithsonian with its age. It actually was the same season, though. After Indiana defeated Auburn in that game in which Keith Smart had 15 assists, a couple rounds later in the Final Four, they played UNLV. Armand Gilliam and Freddie Banks both went over 35, and as a result of that, Mark Wade had 18 assists for the run of the Rebels. Stay on the line, though, because it is a freebie Friday. Dallas
1: Cowboys correct
2: for Mike Vanderjet and Joe Montana is correct.
1: All right, we'll we'll close it out with Bobby Allen, the head coach of Garen Catholic. They're playing for the 3A state title tomorrow, as Greg Rakestraw said with us earlier. He can become the fifth person in state history to win a state championship as a player and as a coach. Don Carlisle could do the same tomorrow with Ben Davis. So we'll talk with the legend Bobby Allen next.
3: It's Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
1: Jake, our next guest, my first period comp teacher at Cathedral High School. Easily one of the finest educators I've ever come across. Um, still have not forgiven him for a runner-up finish in the Knightstown golf outing at Royal Highlands, the Augusta National of Eastern Indiana, uh, back boy that had to be a half dozen years ago, but more importantly, he's on the show because tomorrow night he is coaching the Garant Catholic, I think Golden Eagles, That sound right, I believe so, uh, in the 3A state championship game and is looking to become the fifth person in state history, to win a state title as a player and as a coach. He is Bobby Allen, and he joins us now. Uh, I guess i got to call you Coach because this is like an official sports show. Coach, congrats. Good morning. Good
7: morning. How are you guys doing? That was uh, that was an amazing introduction there. I appreciate that. I tell you, But I will tell you that Knightstown uh, championship is still under review, so don't give up hope on that. Yeah, I feel
1: like you're still at the scores table. I feel like I'm watching a college <laughs> basketball game. You've gone there about six times. You're talking to the locals and uh, – I, I don't think we're ever going to get that uh, that trophy. Having said that, uh, hopefully a blue medal for you tomorrow night. We talked earlier in the show with Greg Rakestraw. Uh, it's been quite the tournament run for you guys. I know probably all the games haven't felt like double-digit margins to you, uh, but when the tournament started, do you think this was possible to be playing here in the final Saturday in March?
7: Wow. Um, we always believed that we had the talent to make a run. Um, but we went through some ups and downs throughout the season where we we kept questioning what we were doing. I mean, we changed our offense three or four times just trying to figure out the right combination. And I'll tell you what, we won eight straight games now, and the guys have figured out what their role is. And the most entertaining part, I think, for me and our coaching staff right now is that we can still get better, and that has kept everyone um, fully dialed in to what we're doing every day in practice right now.
2: You know, this might – Kind of, To parlay off that, you might have just kind of answered this question, Coach, but you're interesting in terms of your, your career to me because you've coached you know, in private schools. You've coached in a township school. You've coached in a small-town school in Knightstown. I mean, Knightstown, LC, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, now at Garen, you've been uh, a couple of different places. Cathedral, obviously, as Kevin mentioned, in different roles. Does the game, in terms of the coaching and the X's and O's of it, is it dictated by and the style of play changed by the size of the school and the area of the school? Or, in fact, is basketball just basketball and you teach the same thing no matter where you are?
7: I, I like to think that basketball is basketball. But, you know, of course, you deal with the talent you have and you make adjustments based on the players you have and what they can do. But, I mean, when I was younger, I was, I was JV coach at Cathedral I mean, I thought I could outcoach anybody. It didn't matter who I have. I, I thought I could go out there and do whatever I did, uh, and I, I just thought I could outwork people and outcoach them and, and get wins that way. But I went when I went to Knightstown, I was 27 years old, and I learned real quick um, by some veteran coaches that I did not know what I was doing yet. Um, but you know, I think I, I think obviously some of the bigger schools have you know they have amazing talent, but. The guys that we have on our team right now, I would take them up against anybody right now. We, I'll either go down with them or uh, I'll celebrate with them in the end.
1: He's Bobby Allen again, 3A state finals coming up tomorrow night. That will be Garen against Northwood over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Coach, obviously you have fond memories from your playing days in the state championship, slightly different venue. Curious, again, I know the venue is different, but walking into Gamebridge Fieldhouse yesterday for – practice or you know any recollections any memories to thinking back to when you guys won it all back at
7: yeah when I was a junior that year 98 we actually had our 25 year anniversary uh Ray straw was the mc the other night at the ihsa hall of fame banquet um being around former players and former coaches man it's like we we it was it's like it happened yesterday one of the things I do remember though the rca on the locker rooms were just so far away they gave us like an extra 10 minutes on top of the original 10 minutes just to run to our locker room back at the RCA Dome, that's when they cut it in half and they had the big curtain up. Um, But, you know, yesterday we got off the bus, we had practice at 9 AM. All the boys were huddled up. We got the instructions on what to do. I was able to take my youngest boy Everett with me there um, and the phones were out. Pictures were taken. uh, Guys were looking up to the rafters and and we took it all in um, for the first part of the morning yesterday. But we talked in the locker room before we took the court yesterday and we had a 55-minute practice that was one of the most intense uh, focused practices that we've had all year.
1: For those that haven't seen you guys play, uh, describe the style that they're going to see tomorrow night. You
7: know, we, we're going to do our best to control the tempo tomorrow night. Um, we, we want to run. We want to get out and run, move the ball in transition, um, but that's keyed by our defense. and And our guys know they want to play that way. And we kind of made an agreement early on. I said, look, if you guys can get a stop, you guys can go do whatever you want. And they've embraced that. We gave up 11 points in the semi-state championship game to a really, really good Scottsburg team the other day. Um, but they got stops, and they went out and they ran, and it helped us build a, a significant lead there in the first half. Uh, but you'll also see when, you know, we, I, I probably won't be taking timeouts um, if they hit a big three or they hit a couple couple shots because um, our guys are able to control the tempo as far as working the ball when we have to, getting touches finding where the weakness is in the defense and then taking a great shot that way. So we can kind of play, you know, at two different levels, um, which I think that's what makes us dangerous right now.
2: So if I'd have told you in November, this was going to be your mid-March schedule, late March, what would you have said to me?
7: I would have said uh, this conversation probably wouldn't be happening on the radio right now. And I'd probably be on the beach in Florida on spring break, (laughs) but you'll take this (laughs) over the beach, right? Yeah, I will. That's coming soon. Here, we've rescheduled that. Um, but no, I, I mean, we again, we, we felt we had the talent to do this stuff. But I mean, we're twenty and eight right now. We were twelve and eight, and it was a point in the season where we're like, man, are we just going to be able to finish with a w- winning record this year? And you know, the guys stayed the course. Um, we have multiple guys who can hurt our opponent. We have three guards right now: Jack Sherry, Rob Sorenson, Kamea Chandler. They're absolutely unbelievable. And if if one of them gets taken out, then the other two are going to step up. And then junior Dylan Moran is probably going to be one of the most athletic kids on the court who can score in bunches. And then sophomore Bryson Cardinal, who started JV for the first eight games of the season, we inserted him in the starting lineup. And his IQ and his energy has taken this whole group to another level. And with
2: that, when you have a player, I would think sometimes, Coach, you know, that I, I could see why intimidating is the wrong word. Bobby Allen's our guest, by the way, the head coach at Garen Catholic. Um, when you have a player whose father played as Cardinals did, you know, at the big time Division One level and in the NBA, what's that dynamic like in the fact that, you know, it, it, do, do the parents get hands on or do they kind of understand? Has Brian Cardinal been like, hey, you're the coach. I get it. He seems like he'd be that kind of guy. But, you know, what's that dynamic
7: like? our parents are incredible. They, I mean, they fully understand um, what we're trying to do and they support our coaching staff. Um, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything there is to know about basketball. Um, but I think that they see, you know, from our coaching staff, our passion and um, our love for all these kids. And they trust us, which is important, I think. Um, but no, I mean, they're incredible. He, he lets us and all of them. They let us do our job. And, it obviously helps when you're winning a little bit, um, makes you look like you're making the right calls. Um, but it, it's fun to see people like Brian and some of our other parents who just have are, are incredibly successful human beings. It's fun to see them in the stands supporting what we're doing right now. I
1: will right, we'll end with this, and we are, um, I guess we got about a minute or two left, but I know two people that have been instrumental in your coaching career, um, Linda Bamrick and the great late, unfortunately late, Rich Andrew, um, just what did you learn from those state champion coaches that you've tried to apply to uh, accomplishing that tomorrow night?
7: Uh, They've both been there. They've both been in state finals. They've both been in tough situations where things aren't going their way. Um, Just the ability to pivot and stay the course and really stay focused on the kids and getting them in the right place at the right time, you know, doing the right things. Um, Obviously, Linda Bamrick is my aunt. uh, Just been incredible to have her and my whole family involved in all of this. I mean, my parents have been at every game. Um, They're the biggest fans that I think we have. My wife, my kids, all their fans. My wife's going to be sitting with a whole crew of people in the stands tomorrow. Um, It's fun to look in the audience and see all those people supporting you and, and, and knowing that you're doing things the right way.
1: See you purple and gold inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. Still not over the Town outing. We'll never be over it, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, Bobby Allen, thank you for everything comp-wise, and uh, I'm rooting for you tomorrow.
7: Thank you guys so much. We can't wait for tomorrow.
1: It's Coach Bobby Allen right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, Garen and Northwood at 3A. And, Jake, that 4A game, boy, I, you know I know we can be prisoners of the moment. I can't recall – a 4A game with this type of anticipation for an individual player in a town like Kokomo and an undefeated team in Ben Davis in quite some time.
2: Yeah, I I think the – I'm really fascinated by the Ben Davis, not to take anything away from the kids of Kokomo outside of Flory Benunga, but he is so good and so dominant. You know, it kind of reminds me of like when Sean Kemp's Elkhart-Concord team, which was a really good team. I mean, they had Jamar Johnson that had a great career at Nebraska, but – that Muncie Central team was so good and, you know, obviously had Chandler Thompson as well. There was a lot of talent in both areas. But you had such one dominant player that focus was on that and then Muncie Central as a team it being the one that end up winning it. So I'm curious to see what happens in that. Ben Davis going for the undefeated season, Flory going for the dynamics of it. It's going to be fun to watch.
1: Southwood and Lutheran, the Class A, Blackhawk Christian and Linton in 2A. We'll have all those games, and we'll recap all of it, plus the Final Four will be here coming up on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you then.